All right, you want to do a show? Uh, Too yes. late. Oh, no. Ah. Uh-oh. I'm so bad at this part. I, I used to got, be a look, DJ. I, I used to, no, I used to know the mix listen, the hits here. Where, I don't think my... people understand. You're not just like laying down on a couch, man. You've got a laptop. I have. I have You've got a 16 here. track thing. You've got your phone plugged in. You've got. You, know, you making fun of me or bragging? No, I'm behalf. saying I that I, when you say you're not good at it, I'm like, that's a lot of shit going on. There's a lot of shit going on. I wouldn't there. be too hard on yourself is all I was saying. Thank you. I mean, because I don't think, I, like, if it was just me, if, I, if someone was like, John, you have to do a podcast by yourself, I would say. You'd just sit in your room. I'd go, okay, can Brian record it for me? Because <laughs> I don't know how. No, you could, I mean, to be honest with you, you could just talk into your phone at this point the way. That's true. Technology that's is true. heading. All of what I have is... Borderline. Yeah, I, you don't. You probably don't see this a lot um, at other. I, can't, I was uh, watching something the other day. Studios. And the, per, the the person was. Uh, oh, I was watching uh, Better Things. So I was talking about the show last episode, and she was doing. She does voiceover work, and it's so funny. Like you see it, she's in like the booth, and then there's the guy that's on the outside and has this huge. Right. Soundboard. And I'm kind of looking at going. 3,000 tracks. Do we really need all that? Yeah. And, and I mean, she's just like, zip, like. Yeah. Are we really moving a lot of. She's like, JC Pennies, 20% <laughs> off. Exactly. Mm. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I'm Brian Irwin. And I'm John Huck. That's great news. That um, is great news. This is our holiday episode. Happy it, holidays, everybody. Yeah, we're calling it. Yeah. Uh, should I have done a, a holiday themed uh, Hooray for Hollywood? I don't. How did you one. do that? Well, let's pretend that, that one was, there was snow in the background. We'll Just a visual of snow. Yeah, like a real quiet, real quiet. Yeah. Can you put that um, that uh, room tone? Everyone was it? singing and tobogganing. Do you? Did you ever go Dude, tobogganing? Dude, of course I went tobogganing. Not a toboggan bro. fan. Well, because well, I it mean, it didn't have any risk. There was no risk assessment. Other oh, than you the fact weren't. That, what kind of pussy hills were you tobogganing? Okay, first off, <laughs> 2019. <laughs> oh, um, sorry, sorry. Uh, just call me a loser. Like, bitch That's ass. Still accept- what how, what <laughs> can I, what I, can I say? Listen, no, no. So, okay, so the evolution of sledding is, you know, first you sled with your parents so they teach you how to do it. Then immediately you're like, how can I do this suicide style? Faster right? and and, Where, and Who's steeper. making a jump? Yep. When can I start punching my friends going down the hill? All that stuff. And then I remember when uh, I went to University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and on the snow days... <laughs> We were in college, and of course, when you're in college, you have nothing. Yep. So it's not like you're carrying sleds with you to college. So right. we would go to uh, a sled hill that was near North Beach, and uh, we would just people would be bringing like this is the first time I ever see, saw people bring tires. Uh huh. And they were as tubes, as like yeah. tubes. And I also saw students walking down the street finding old mattresses and Ooh. dragging them to do it. Like it, I was like, it was the first time I'd ever seen any of that. Dude, you could do lunch trays. Lunch trays work. I mean, you could, it was, your ass was hanging off, but you could use them. Lunch yeah. trays. Look, man, we went sledding a lot. We, it was, we, I started on one of those uh, wood ones with the metal rudders, with the metal fucking runners, like the razor sharp, like. I had to swear about it. But made right. for like uh, luge almost, yeah. like with the, with the, you steer, you lay, you go head first on those or you steer with your feet. But I started out with those, and then like the the basic trash can type thing, the, yeah. oh, the yeah, lid, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the metal disc that would just haul ass, and yeah. you're like, whoa. Inner tubes can be very dangerous if you're going down a big fast hill and you hit jumps. Dude, I can. It's, it's bouncy, and you it will launch you. Do we? We, I went to college in northern Wisconsin, as you know. That was a total dad statement, I realize. These inner tubes could be dangerous. Yes, everybody. Well, they can be, and never. So can everything when you're But listen, if you're going to go tubing at night, first of all, don't do that. (laughs) 
Second of what all, do you mean don't do it, meaning don't do don't it without any lights. Don't go tubing at night with no lights. If you're going to a sanctioned area that has tubing and it's lit up, great. But these people, when I was in college, somebody uh, went took an inner tube to a ski hill. And Wait, like a legit like like big powder horn, uh, okay, Indian head. Okay, well first like, off. Those are like those are big. Those are big Wisconsin, Can I just ask you Michigan. A before like, you finish the story, is this person still alive? No. Okay. Um, and they went tubing down a hill, and that was fine. And then they ran face first into the snow groomer that was just parked there, oh. and literally shredded themselves. Oh, this is a, so they. This is somebody you know. No, 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 no. This is just the myth of the. Of, this of is the, the myth the of, of the story. Uh, yes, exactly. I thought you were just to say like they went down moguls and like they realized. Oh man, horrible. no, it was wild moguls. No, dude, this guy wasn't like a Hawaiian shirt, popped collars, sunglass wearing, wackadoo ski school movie uh, guy. This was somebody who just went straight into a, uh, a snow groomer and just. With hamburger meat. Oh, on a lighter note, I yeah. uh, so just be careful out there this winter, guys. If yeah. you're going tubing or sledding, you, oh, you all dadded me in that story. <laughs> that was like, and that's why you only tube during the day. So let's get going, guys. <laughs> it's the, the classic. Like, let me share all this, the, the the mythical danger stories, and then and then now, now let's, let's go, go get in the car. We're going to the hill. Yeah, yes. Yeah, you know, I will say that's about the only thing. That I miss from the Midwest is um, that's the only joy snow snow brings is obviously the sledding. I was not a skier. I, w- I was in ski club for about twelve seconds in junior high before I got kicked out. But I got to go once. How did you I get wa- kicked out? I was talking, and the coach already hated. Cool, <laughs> cool club, dude. No, 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 no. In hindsight, fair enough to this teacher. You know, like some teachers, tenured, whatever. They've just had enough, and they they, they have a very. Um, Th- their nerves get touched by certain kids. Sure, I was yeah, yeah, a yeah. Nerve they looked at your face and you're like, "I want to push you down the hill. Get out of here." Yeah, I have that face, but <laughs> I I was a disruptor, so I th- I already had going in because you know the teachers already deal with enough of your shit during the regular school sure. hours, and now you're like, "I want to be with you more," and they're like, "I don't want you with <sighs> me more." Get out of here. Yeah. And so I I'm sure I I did something. I deserve to get kicked out, but I did go down. I, I went down uh, the moguls on accident, and I didn't know what I was doing, so I was just hitting them straight, and then I just rolled down the hill, took off my skis, and I was like, I'm done with skiing. Okay, cool. So that was the extent of my ski experience. Cool. Yeah, yeah I did yeah. ski club, and then I got into snowboarding, and then uh, I, I had a lot I of fun snowboarding. I, say, I couldn't see you being a snowboarder. But oh, okay. dude, it was a lot of fun. My friends were really, 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 really did good. Did you ever and I was use like, I am terms good. like shred or thrash? Um, no. Okay. I mean, is there, are those terms that are sure, appropriate dude, for? Sure, they are. CBD, Dad. Um, guys, I wanna, let's bring in our guest um, <laughs> because I'm sure he. Is, I'm sure he's been sledding. Well, maybe not. Well, I, don't I, assume. No, you're right. Here's all. I I think, I think he's a California kid, but I could be wrong. And there's not many people we meet out here that are from out here. You know what I mean? Usually, you meet someone in comedy and. And, and the entertainment industry, and they've moved from somewhere else. Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. he's from California, but I, this could be, this could be wrong. But guys, our guest today. Well, I guess we could ask him. because uh, I think he's been waiting for you to okay. probably. Um, Is he in like a secret booth where he can't com- hear anything? Com- and, then, <laughs> and then we Comedian, let him out. Actor, writer. Uh, hilarious human being, Paul Danke is our guest. Hello, thanks for having me on. Dude, thank you for being here. I figured you probably wanted to chime in about some sledding stuff. Are you kidding then... me? I was dying over here. Yeah. I was like, fuck, I want to talk about sledding Are so you from bad. here? I am from California, that is true. Dude, so sledding, is it, do you go straight but to wait, snowboarding? But wait, are skiers? southern 
Or I'm from Southern California. I'm from Fontana. I'm from Kentucky. Okay. The oh yeah, the you're, yeah, you're east of here. But when I was 11, my family moved oh, okay. to Washington State. Okay. Well, oh shit. And so I did actually move back here from Washington. But my time in Washington was, uh, you know, I was so bummed to move because I I love California. I love the heat. I love the mountains. But I was really excited to live in a town that got snow, and my family moved to Bellingham, Washington. I remember my oh Bellingham, Bellingham, right? Dude, up my one of my really good friends from high school still lives in Bellingham. Bellingham. Do you know him? Uh, who, yeah, his name's Tim Crowell. Do you know him? Mm, Tim Crowell. <laughs> no, does he? Go I don't think so. <laughs> but uh, we definitely went sledding up there. Mount yeah. Baker's the mountain up there. We would go inner tubing. That's up a there. huge mountain, though. That's like a, when I said Powderhorn and Indian Head. Those are like. Uh, Bumps in the road compared to like Baker. Yeah, it's a it's a great it's a great ski mountain. Um, I'm not a skier. I never got into skiing. But even would, even getting up there at a younger age, it's just so expensive. My family yeah, is not yes. a family that has yeah, yeah. any cash for point. that, or like the fucking time to drive you up to the mountain. Like mm-hmm. my parents worked; they were not they weren't driving us fucking anywhere by the time we were there, uh, more or less. Uh, but you know, they would come like. You know, uh, we would go inner tubing occasionally, but it doesn't snow much in Bellingham, but it is such a hilly town. It's so so many steep hills. Yeah. And uh, when I first moved there, I I was lucky enough to move three doors down from this fucking cool ass kid, Steve Ferris. <laughs> His parents smoked. They loved Queen. They had gas. So what kind of smoke? <laughs> like like hard cigarettes. I don't oh. remember what kind of cigarettes, but like unfiltered raw dog cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> they had they, they, they gas, were fully committed. They had gas powered um, uh, remote control cars. Yeah, like they were like oh, fucking were cool them. people. Oh, yeah. yeah, and um and my my friend Steve, he was always like throwing himself off like jumps and stuff. And when it snowed, like we would we would snowboard down our hill and do ju- like doing jumps off the curbs and stuff just the fucking best time yeah. yeah dude when it snowed enough to shut things down that was the best oh god because then heaven. you could go do anything you wanted outside and you weren't going to get hit by a bus or no because there was nothing <laughs> yeah, going on there was nothing happening yeah. it was actually the best the best time uh, and no one really gets to experience this in southern california except on um uh the morning of, of new year's day is um it's, it's snow it, it it kills all sound. So when yes. everybody stays yeah. out, quiet. It, it's beautiful. It's like oh, it's a man. deadening. Like it's yeah. weird. It's like there's it's, sound panels up everywhere. It's so cool, it's, dude. Yeah. Like a, like it's a all snow. you can hear is kids. Because the only thing outside is adults <laughs> are like fuck, fuck no. this. They're right. done with it. They're, it's it's a it's somehow they've been given a task. Yeah, snow is a task. But for it's, kids, it's it's everything. It's wonderful. a party. It's man. such freedom. Yeah. I yeah. mean, sledding down like you know, sitting on trash can lids. We did. We got. Fucked up. We yeah. got hurt sledding a lot, dude. But did you get the hurt laughing like the kids? You hurt yourself and you laugh. That's a, that's the thing about kids <laughs> too. Is like <laughs> my arm. My arm's <laughs> like over my head. I can't put it back, you guys. And everyone's just laughing. Yeah. And, and yeah. then a parent sees it, and then everyone's <laughs> parent turns white as a ghost. And he's like, okay. <laughs> my friend Kyle Ruck uh, mm-hmm. was. We were snowboarding down a sled hill, and he he was like, "Ow, I hurt my leg." And mm-hmm. it was like, oh, okay. And then he walked <laughs> home, like a mile and a half. He walked home with Jeez. his snowboard, got home, and he goes, oh, my leg hurts. His mom goes, dude, you've never complained about pain in your life. <laughs> uh, let's go to the, the doctor. Doctor's like, you broke your leg in three places. <laughs> oh, and he was like, it hurts. He's like, 
Yeah, yeah. it's broken. <laughs> Stop walking on it. That's the guy like, you call. First guy you call in the zombie apocalypse. You need that guy. Dude, that he, guy, first of all, I would call that guy in a zombie apocalypse. And second of all, he was the drummer in a band I was in for like ever. He was the best, dude. That kid's great. And his leg worked He's in my the band. age, but anyway. <laughs> Could he still do the double kick? Uh, he, we didn't, I didn't play with a lot of double bass. Oh, okay. I didn't play with a lot of double bass, yeah. Um, we were more like Steve Miller covers and oh, like yes. a couple of Rush tunes. So you were stoned. Like, you were stoned. Did you guys okay. do Abracadabra? No, we did. <laughs> I love we Abracadabra. Did, we did um, uh, Keep on Rocking Me. Oh, sure. That and <laughs> anything I could do, kind of that 12-bar blues thing. Yeah. I like that because okay. I could solo over that. Oh, you can. Oh, yeah. yeah you're, that, that, you're that proficient on that was That was playing? my, yeah, that scale. That's on, where I want to get. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Dude, I don't know how, how there I am anymore, but mm. there was a time. So, the, so out here, though, um, I don't think Southern California kids, like sledding is not a thing anyway because it's all big mountains, right? So, like, yeah, the, uh, the concept, because we were no, talking about there's like mostly hills. No, what's the, there's a place around here. Well, you can go up to Big Bear, of course, and uh, Santa's Village is like a, it was like a snowy kid wonderland that people would go to back in the day. I think it's open again. It was closed for That's like 20 the, it's years. It's on the way up to Big Bear, right? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. But there's also a smaller ski hill that's cl- much closer that my, me, my brother, and uh, his wife went to when we, I think we took his kid. I don't know. But like, we went tubing up there once, and it was I like... It just seems a little bit whack to me that you got to go... You have to drive six hours to get yes, there. Yes, sure. Yeah, yeah. You're you not walking to, out your back door. Then you have to pay to go sledding. Like we, that's, I just, it's I different know. that's the killer like, thing. Is like, the 30 bucks for what? Yeah, yeah but when the... we went we went tubing, uh, me and uh, Cornell and a bunch of a bunch of us got a cabin up in uh, Big Bear, and we went tubing up there, and they've got the they've got the uh, conveyor belt that drags you back yeah. up to the top. I was like, I will pay. That's what you that's pay you for. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's that, different. as a kid, you're like, okay, I can walk up and down this hill all day. As an right. adult, you're like, I'm definitely not walking back up the hill. But that's why adults get hurt so much more because there's a natural quitting point when you're exhausted and when you're not walking your ass up the hill every time, you think you can go all day. Yeah. And that's when you get braver <laughs> and dumber. Yeah. And then we fuck, we hurt ourselves. There's a nasty little crash at the end of that. Well, of course. It's <laughs> all, all, all roads lead to danger. Yes. <laughs> you're doing a big chain going down. You're like, fuck, 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 fuck. No, 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 no. Don't let, don't let me fuck oh, this up. And, oh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but most of those places, there is liquor relatively close somewhere nearby. So yeah, that probably like for a lot t- of look, people. Tubes, inside of tubes us and booze, it. dude. <laughs> You don't you don't tube down a river. You don't tube down a hill. Well, first off, tubing down a river is not exactly dangerous. It can, it, it's, uh, it can get dangerous. It can get dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people die in the Kern River. All right, dude. I fell out I of a, a lazy. I fell one. out I of a lazy. of a of a raft in the in the Kern River. I think it was. Uh huh. And that thing was moving fast. The and Kern River? What are you talking about? Uh, it's uh, up Kernville. Is like oh, it's goes in right California. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not far from here. It's not that far from here. Me and my buddies got a uh, an Airbnb a while back. A bunch of college friends, and then my friend knew a guy because they're all like outdoor adventure people. And he's like, "Oh, my buddy's got a white. We can go white water rafting or whatever." And I was like, "Oh, yes, yeah, not really white water raft, but there's some fucking rapids, you know." And uh, we didn't have helmets. We didn't have anything. And the guy yeah. goes, "If you fall out of the boat." Don't go head first anywhere because you want to keep your feet ahead of you. Keep your head up and keep your feet. And I go, oh, that's smart advice. I'm the only one that fell out. And I immediately <laughs> went head first, back <laughs> on my back, head first over all the rocks. Like, oh, my I thought, I thought like a day later, I was like asking my buddy who's like knows a lot about medicine and stuff. I'm like, hey, uh, I think I have, in- do I have internal bleeding? And he goes, 
no, dude, you're fine. I go, I feel like my kidneys have been punched <laughs> relentlessly. They he's were. Like, he's like, they were yeah. by rocks, but you'll be fine. You're, you're bruised. I'm like, fuck, Ugh. it hurt, dude. And my buddy goes, as soon as you fell over, you could see your face go from, <laughs> hey, we're having a good time, to like, oh, shit, this yeah. is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. This could get out of hand quickly. Yeah. But every time, I've had so many experiences on islands and boats and shit that, that almost equal me dying. And my friends are like, dude, stay off of skateboards, stay away from the water. And I'm yeah, like, like ah, no. how about we take these skateboards into that river? What do you think? <laughs> there we go, John. That might be a reason why you're hurting yourself. I, every 4th of July, I call my buddy Tim. I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about taking my skateboard with me to this party. He's like, God, good God, please don't. <laughs> the other big thing here, just out of curiosity, did you grow up riding bikes? Yeah. But here or only when you moved to Washington? Bikes, all because it's so hilly here, or were you a valley kid? Where did you grow Fontana. up? In? Fontana. Fontana. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty flat, right? Yeah, but like my dad and his crew were like bike people. Okay. So we would go on like longer bike things. And then up there, definitely. Up Bellingham's like a much safer town, so my parents kind of let us have free reign over the town. So I was like in middle school. So my your so parents were outdoorsy. They weren't out. That your dad was out riding bikes all the time. And they okay before they had kids. They have, there's five kids in my family. So where you know, do you are, fall? Where, yeah, where are you? I'm the fourth. Okay, congrats. Thank you. <laughs> it was a, it was a, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm here. We're all here. <laughs> that's you know, so that's good. They made it that far. Um, but yeah, we rode bikes all the time. I love riding bikes. I taught my girls how to ride bikes so early. Oh yeah, like. Uh, so do you live in Flatland now? We live on a flat street. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so we, we do. don't where we are. So our, I feel so bad. Yeah. I my, The bikes are just sitting. Yeah, it's tough. You, you have to pack effort. it up. Yep. And you have to go. Somewhere. Yeah, and y'all have to go riding together. It and bums me out. Yeah, but there are a few fun. Like the the Hollywood Reservoir is a really fun place to ride bikes. If is you're is that on? Oh, that's up in the. Um, is that by the dog park? Like you go up that way? It's it's like. Hollywood. Welcome to the California part of the show. Yeah, right. Well, we <laughs> the Hollywood Reservoir. It's like in Los Feliz, I think, or like yeah. on oh, its way into Hollywood. Along uh, Silver Lake? No, no, not the no, Silver that, Lake that, Reservoir. That's, okay, that's that's a, not bad. That's a fun place. Yeah, the Hollywood Reservoir is broader. Like the the lane is broad. There's no traffic around it. It's really beautiful. Oh wow! It's worth going up and looking at. I'll have to take. Yeah. Duly noted. Yeah. I'll have to ride up there. Yeah. So you grew up in Fontana. Mm-hmm. But did you? You said you left when you were 11, Did you? and then did you come back after? Did you stay in Washington through graduation, or did you come yeah. back before? Okay. No, I graduated college up there. I went to Western oh, Washington University. Okay. And yeah, yeah, I went to community college in Bellingham, and then I just stayed and went to the university. and Because uh, I, I was working. and. What did uh, you go to school for? Um, I have a communication degree. Yeah, <laughs> that's I do, too. Yeah. That's called what gets me out of here. <laughs> I, I um, well, I... I went through community college first, and then I was doing really good, and I thought, oh, I, I can't. Before that, I wanted to be a comedian, and then I would, had, Before like, Before college. Yeah, in high school. I've been doing, like, sketch stuff since middle school. Wow. And and then I just had, like, I can't, I can't do this. This is unrealistic. This is stupid. And then I decided I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> oh, like, wow. You went from, uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell fart jokes for my whole life to, yeah. I'm going to operate on people. A surgeon I, or just a doctor? I had like an anatomy class, and it just was like the science thing that completely clicked. It all just like wow. really worked for me. But when I went to university to like pursue that, I just took chemistry and physics and calculus classes. And I, but by the end of my first year, my grades were bad. I got kicked out of the school. And I had to, I, um, I convinced my my calculus professor to change my grade so I could get to 
to be not kicked out of the school, and then I switched my major to communication. I was going to say, do you think your grades were bad because those classes sound fucking impossible, or were you like, I just don't want to study numbers or It was just, science. it wasn't penetrating. I yeah. think that I just really, deep down, didn't want to do it, didn't really want it, and so I wasn't like willing to give up everything else and like really focus on it yeah do you realize how shitty your grades have to be for a, a for-profit organization to ask you to leave right we don't yeah. need your money anymore because you're actually wrecking our vibe yeah we don't we need don't you need around. your type doesn't like, really help with our business like model. i'm fun no, but also <laughs> but also <laughs> very interesting Guys, look at, i'm juggling i'm juggling when we're talking a very interesting point is that like deep down you didn't want to do it yeah like, i think deep down when you were like oh man being a comedian that's not that's not a way to sustain i, I gotta i gotta move on from that you never really moved on and you were like i would rather be broke and trying to be funny than but wouldn't you yeah. say that chemistry and calculus and stuff like that is kind of similar to being a musician? Like, it's either in you or it's not. Like, you were talking about how it didn't connect. Yeah. And I think, because my kids are really good at that, and it's I think it's because, and I was not, which surprised me, but my wife it skips mm-hmm. a generation. Was. Yeah, my yeah. wife is as well. And so I was like, oh, well, that's why you guys can do it, because I would, those... They would start talking about numbers in class, and I was just like, "Where uh, this is too structured, this is too boring, this right. is too." Po- I, w- I was the what is math anyway? You don't use math in your life, Dude. and then you realize later that numbers are everything in well, the world. <laughs> Hear me out. You do realize that, but I remember when this my teacher tried that too. It was like, "Where are you going to do it? What are you going to get a job where you don't use math?" I go, "Fuck yeah, I'm going to get a job where I don't use math." And he goes, "What are you going to do?" I go, "What if I'm a janitor?" He goes, "You got to know what fraction to mix chemicals, or you could die." I'm like. What are you fucking crazy? You think that guy in the hallway mopping the floor is fucking measuring out chemicals in a fucking <laughs> test tube? Hold that on, guy on. pours a bunch of shit into a mop bucket and slaps it around. Did he collapse while you're pointing at him and die? And <laughs> then you, you think learned? that guy's like, <laughs> oh, and then he man. fell over. I was, so I was true. like, no. And then I fell through the cracks of all high school math. I got to college. I specifically chose a major, English literature, where I am not being exposed to any math. And I took one business math course where the tests were open book. Amazing. And I, but amazing, except I'm a dumbass. Like, <laughs> I you never opened the book? I can barely count back change to people. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, numbers are not my pal, but they are everywhere. And I do believe firmly in them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not like, I'm not good at science, so fuck your science. Right. I'm like, I understand everything is a pattern. Everything can be broken down That's mathematically. Right. Yeah. Music is mathematical. Yes. Right. And I'm I'm I consider myself a little bit musical. I can sort of read music. I can play the guitar, can play the bass. I get how how those things work. I understand a piano, mm-hmm. but like I can't I can't do like a multiple I couldn't do all the multiplication tables I could do when I was in like fourth or fifth grade. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's That's okay. That's okay. I know. I have a phone. I don't help exactly. my kids. Dude, but what also make me, makes phone. me scared of the of Congrats. what kids are doing is like, why would I need that? I just look it up here. My kids, when they come home, are like, can you help me with the homework? I'm like, are you telling a story? And they're like, no. I'm like, ask your mom. because that's yeah. <laughs> Can we make a video like, with superheroes and fart noises? I, no? It, okay, they, I, ask I your mom. I know this is going to come off like a joke, but it's honestly got truth. By second grade, and they were asking me, because math has changed, and they are like, can you work with me on this? I had no capacity to want to, A, yeah. Relearn it. Relearn it, but they're learning it in a completely different way because it's all math is all about outside the box thinking now, and like there's eight different ways to get to the same result. And I was like, yeah, you've already lost me at this. I got, I got to go. But they are way smarter because of it. So it's funny this because I've got my kids are eight and almost six, 
And um, I, it, I'm learning, I'm going through the math with my eight-year-old, and it is more in line with the way that I understood math. Really? And so I'm sort of like, I'm going to follow along with this because I think kind of relearn yourself. I may walk myself into like a real understanding of math because the way that it's breaking down, I'm like, I I totally get this. This is a way better way of doing. That's some father of the year shit because I remember the first time I I said it, you were like glossed (coughs) over, like, oh, Brian's an idiot. (laughs) Because you were saying, but in a more lightened way, you're like, oh yeah, I get what he said was it's more along the way with he deals with math. He's following along and and refreshing himself. You said I don't get it because I don't. Yeah, I quit. I quit. Yeah, that it's yeah. a two different. That's why I live in a basement. Very different <laughs> things, which is why I was praising him and mocking you. Fair you enough. see how that works? <laughs> it does make sense. But my point, I was going to say, um, uh, that was the first time taking my math homework to my dad in second grade was the first time I was like, oh shit, older people don't have all the answers because my right. dad was like, what? Like he looked at this like what and did one of those aren't the answers in the back of the book? And right. I was like, yeah. He's like, uh, try it this way. I don't know. Like it was nothing like. Like, there was no, oh, this is along the lines, like, that. maybe had you learned the way your kids are learning, you'd yeah. be, like, a famous mathematician. There, I, I really, <laughs> I think that Super, there are, Because uh, it's all about being famous. In one way or dude, another, maybe you be a get rich, a wealthy as fuck mathematician, dude. Do you know, dude? Who, the, do you know who is a famous mathematician? Who? Carl Sagan. Uh, Danica Einstein. McKellar. Do you know who that is? No. She was uh, what's her name on Wonder Years. She was uh, oh right, uh, Winnie. Vicky? Winnie, Winnie on Wonder Years. Oh, yeah, she's oh. a mathematical genius. Oh yeah, she's Mensa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, continue yourself. Yeah, I was never a genius. Every any assessment that I ever took was not not, <laughs> not genius. <a> genius. <laughs> just, just comes back that way. Yeah. Underlined. Like, mm. I remember one assessment like it's it was it was like it was in high school. It was some career placement thing, and it literally told me to be a car salesman. And I remember wait, wait. feeling I'm like... I'm sorry, that was the word problem said? It, was, the it wasn't a was, word problem. Oh. No, no. <laughs> the answer, it was a very personal answer. <laughs> the whole the whole assessment was a weird... I was like, why would you... Why I don't need career advice like this from a fucking test. That's Fuck wh- at what age? Can I ask you what this age? This must have been like 16. Okay, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's fucking... That, like, I remember in sophomore year in high school, I, a teacher said, you're... You're 15, you're 16 years old now. You need to figure out where you want to go to college, what you want to be when you're an adult. And I was like, I went home, I was like, what the fuck? I don't know any of these things. And my mom was like, whoa, put the brakes on. You don't need to know any of that shit yet. You'll figure it out as you go. By age 42. Dude, maybe maybe not even then. Do you know what I mean? I figure by the time I'm 50, I might have a decent understanding of who I am. Not to shit on, you know, a, a lot of people in education, but when I was growing up, I mean, even counselors were checked out. They had yeah. no, yeah. they were like, get your shit together. And you're like, how about you, like, how about real advice? Like he said, that's not real advice. Saying at 15, you need to know everything about your life. Understanding that now what we know is that yeah. even the adult male mind doesn't even fully develop until age 25. Dude, right? and so even why that, would you tell that dude? I was such a fucking idiot at 25. You got to be kidding me. Like, that's <laughs> a, my kids, a matured brain. But I'll give you a perfect example of, like, why they marginalize, why, why so many people get marginalized in this world. It's like my kids are perfect example. They love playing sports, right? Well, right. Of course, like, when, you, when, when you, you're, you're good at it when you're a kid and you love it, your thought is, I want to be a professional athlete. I'm going to play I baseball saying, forever. I'm like, I'll never shit on your dreams. But that being said, let me give you some advice that no one else ever gave me. You love sports? There is 5,000 other jobs in sports that you yes. can stay in. You can stay in that totally. business. Totally. You don't nobody, just have to be the guy hitting home runs. Nobody, right. You know what they used to say to me? You're not going to make in sports. Go find something else to do. That was the shittiest. That was yeah. the best advice anybody could come up with. Right. Or, it was never yeah. like... 
Sports how about medicine. how about oh you yeah. like sports? You're not Physical that good therapy. at playing them, but you like you're also good at math. Maybe you could be an accountant for a fucking baseball team. Yeah, like right. you can work in sports, reap the benefits of a job in sports, yeah. free tickets, meeting players, yeah. World Series, all that shit. You can reap those benefits, have a job where you never have to go to a gym in your life. Guidance counselors right. are kind of like back when I was growing up, are kind of like what Twitter is now. Just shit on people. Just shit on their dreams. Yeah. Well, dude, but and, look and, where and they're coming them, from. But they can't. Look where they're coming from. You think they were like, I'm going to be a <laughs> guidance counselor when I grow up. Like nobody fucking says that. That's a career you. Okay. Wait. <laughs> Well, he's a guy. I have a. Uh, I literally. <laughs> I. Li- <laughs> oh my god! My shittiest. <laughs> the shittiest thing I did as a, a, a senior in high school was I had to write a thing about like what were you gonna do, what do you want to do when you grow up, and it was after this that that assessment, and I wrote a thing about how I wanted to be a race car driver, and they were like. This you have to rewrite this. You're not serious. <laughs> this isn't a real job. And I was just like, whatever. And uh, they made me like talk to the school counselor. And uh, so I talked to her, and I was like, I'm gonna be a school counselor. <laughs> and so I was like, really like flattery, flattering the, the oh school counselor. God. And she just ate it up because no one gives a f- no one gave a fuck about no her. dude. But no. she was explaining like she has masters and she makes like the second most in the school to the principal and I was just like oh this is actually a good gig <laughs> <laughs> so By I the wrote end of my your paper report? about it and I was just like fuck you <laughs> my second paper is also a fuck you <laughs> I'm not playing this game that might be the only time so nobody ever, ever seriously <laughs> has said I wanted to, no, I, uh, but I probably really have in a banker's though. box that paper somewhere dude, at my parents' house. Because you gotta find that, dude. And isn't that funny when you realize when you when that when it kind of hits you? And I guess it depends on who you're being taught by and everything. But I remember a professor in college. He was like, um, I, I remember I was like, yeah, I didn't like Forrest Gump. And he was like, what? Like I turned in a thing about how I didn't like Forrest. He was like, well, no, it's a good movie. I go. Yeah, I didn't. I, was just, I didn't like. He dies of AIDS in the end. Uh, kid, she gets AIDS. It's weird. He's like, "What? No, you have to like the movie." And then I just you I, have I, to like the I movie. basically rewrote a thing talking about how good the movie was. He was like, "Oh, this is better." <laughs> yeah. I'm like, "You're an idiot!" You're like an he, idiot. he assigned this one thing, and I just yeah. wrote everything he wanted to hear, and I got an A plus yeah. plus. Remove yep. remove dreams yep. and opinions, dude. And, it was and, cr- and just but, just do what we say. But this exactly. is a grown man talking to. I mean, I was fucking 18 years old, 20 years old. You know what I mean? And this guy's like, "Nah, you got to do it this way." And I'm like. You, what kind of professoring is this? Like, you suck at this, dude. Well, you know what's good? That you and I kind of both did the same thing was we had a sense of humor about it and moved on versus yeah, the yes. more the more cynical lesson there is to learn to just, like, placate people. Just tell them what they want to hear to get, get what out. you want. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's not the type of person that I personally no. want to be. Or, no. you know, I wouldn't want to encourage that advice for, like, you know, how to be a person. No. That's what and, the and car salesman you should have done. Right. If I was a true to opportunist, yeah. I would have just fuck. You know, I would. Maybe you should have been a car salesman. <laughs> but I, you know what but I? Hate? You're right. You're right. I, I hate agree. upselling people. I come from working class people. Dude. I'm not trying to take scrape those extra bucks out of people. Take Everything's the, an upsell, bro. Now, every everywhere yeah. you go, everything <laughs> you do. It's criminal. It's it's really it's predatory behavior. I really fucking hate it. That's America. Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of senses, it is. That's when it comes to, if, you to wanna, if you want to make money, that you have to upsell. Yeah, I mean, even in our business, yeah, they tell you they sell don't, the VIP. Don't go. Well, no, but if you, even in our business, like <laughs> if you're going to, like, let's say you're going to pitch a project or something like that, you yeah. can't you can't talk about it at, at a normal level, right? You have to heighten 
like how amazing you are, and like of course you got all the answers, and you got yeah. like you and so and and the thing is, if you're a reasonable human being, you know that it's not perfect, and you know that part of the process is that once something if if someone was to accept your project, there's going to be a lot more work to do. But it's like there's this weird. Like everything has to be perfect up front. Thing, That's a great when you, point. When you know that the minute, even if they take your project, they're gonna rip it apart, yeah, rebuild it, and do all this shit. So it's like a weird thing that you have to go through. It's and it's the that's same. a. That's a great point. That's exactly what happens all the time, and it is a weird. I think that's it's it's the Hollywood no. Yeah, it's, it's in making you waste more time on something that they aren't gonna take, no matter what yeah. fucking work you put into it. Yeah. Uh, and crazy. it's just like, well, all right, but I do, you know, I think it's nice to try to strive to hone your craft and make it as good as you can. You know, not to say we can should just be lazy half-assing our ideas. Obviously, no, 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 no. But but I agree. That's a, that is a that's interesting. It's a good point. Well, thank you. I've, I only have one per show, so the rest of this <laughs> show. Wrap is it about up. Brian's done. Oh boy. All right. Just so, be, just be a short one. Let's why, let you go. On so top. why did you? Where did the stand-up bug? That's come what I was going to ask. You, were you watching certain things? Why like, what, at such did, a young age too? What inspired you to to even think about doing? Uh, we are we're yeah. always curious, like how kids, because it always seems everything. Every guest we've ever had, it stemmed from something in childhood. Impressionable. It's always been in- interesting. Like some Kids people are don't. Impressionable, well, man. Yeah. True, but like you know, every once in a while, somebody like, yeah, it wasn't until I was like twenty five, I was like, yeah, I should it, do this. But it I, but that's weird to, be, to me. That's, that's psychopath. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> when someone's like, I was thirty and I watched a thing and I was like, I'm gonna try it. You're like, wow, that's no. Well, they've it's got, rare, but it happens. They've yeah. got a jar of human teeth in their house. <laughs> those, those people are not right. No, I found that across the street with the dead body. So we got that covered. He Give didn't. Me. Get, but he wasn't into stand up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you don't know. Maybe he was hitting the open mics. Ah, he could have been open mic Myers. All right. So, um, so yeah. Where did it all come from for you? Um, I love. Well, I loved joking around as a kid, but I wasn't like a huge class clown. I liked more. I liked dry stuff. I liked Steve Martin a lot, but not his stand up. I just liked his. I was more into acting, like yeah. comedic acting when I was young. Funny movies. Yeah. You know. Uh, not. Yeah. Of course, Adam Sandler, but like Jim Carrey, I was really into. I thought he was just. That was incredible to me and Bill Murray and Steve Martin. And, but then when I was in college, because I did mostly sketch stuff up till college. And did you shoot this stuff? Did you do? Uh, yeah, actually, my high school, while I started there, they started a weekly sketch show. That really? aired closed circuit. And it would air on Fridays. And it would have like the school news. But they would also write sketches. And they would interview. Like, so I'm, you know. One of the teams goes to the playoffs or whatever. Sure. You know, it would be some of that shit. Or like Columbine happened while I was a senior in high school. And like Whoa. we like talked to the kids, that, the trench coat mafia children that people were like really vilifying at the time. So it was sort of a, it was a great, great thing. But it was mostly at that point like SNL knockoffs and sure. shit like that. But, but that's cool that you were given that outlet as at, at, a, at a young age. We didn't have that. When no, I went it to was, high school. It was truly special. And I like I got into it my senior year. Um, I wrote like a funny song with one of my friends in my choir class who was already in the group and he, <laughs> he got me in. We wrote a blues song about loving a disgusting woman. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Let's see uh, where you guys are going with it. Yeah, it was great. Ba- write about what you know. Write about what you know. Your, I know your life I knew, experience. I knew what I wanted. Yeah. The blues. <laughs> But um, then in college, you know, I got really into, um, it, honestly, it was Chris Rock was like the stand-up where I was like, wow, that. His his first special? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that was That just first like, special is phenomenal. Yeah. That's uh, one yeah. of the best I've ever seen. Yeah, it's 
it was like really challenging, I thought, but it had like a lot of his perspective was really really wide and like yeah. it was like he was really good at looking at things from a couple different angles and i was like this is sophisticated this the way this is put together is like good you know good math i don't know math very well but i <laughs> like how all this adds see up. how math comes yeah. back yeah. into everything yeah <laughs> yes. um him and mitch hedberg i loved mitch hedberg fucking more than interesting oh, uh interesting co- combo there but yeah dude they're my dads but what's yeah. interesting about that though is you still have to make that transition like if you talk to a lot of actors or sketch performers or theater mm-hmm. people yeah they a lot of them will say like i don't know how you just do it by yourself like there has to be right. that thing where like you can see that and go chris rock is amazing mitch hedberg is amazing but you get so used to performing with other people and yeah. there is a safe zone yeah. of being able to work off of something and for a lot of those people it scares them to just be by themselves and just go stand up there so what was it with you that you were like, I can just go do this by myself as well. I don't need to work off of people. Well, like I was never I took I took a theater class in high school and was immediately rejected by the director. She did not like my the cut of my jib in <laughs> any way. She was not a fan. Just saw you and was like, next Nope. So uh, I didn't take any more theater after that was like my first class first quarter freshman. I was so excited for theater and she was just like not obviously not a fan. I was like, Okay, whatever. And then when I got into college, I joined the college's like improv group, and they were all actors. And I was just like, "Y'all are different than me. We are di- we are different speeds of people. The way that you hang out and joke around is like not how I am at all." And uh, and then when I got into were they too on? Yeah, I'm too not that on. Right, I'm really not. I like to lay back and uh, and just the performative hanging out was just not for me. Right, not for me. You're a regular human being, sort of. Uh, yeah, <laughs> much more of a regular human being. And then uh, I was just like, well, it's rad about stand-up is there's no fucking props. There's no, I don't no, have to. No wigs, no glasses. Yeah. And I even did the Groundlings when I moved here, and I loved it. But I was like, again, broke at the time. I was like, I can't afford to do this. Yeah. I can't afford to buy all this costume shit just to do it once. Like, this is such a terrible investment. Yeah. And I guess in the one, in one hand, you know, I'm not toting around all these fucking costumes everywhere. Yeah, and what are you going to do with all those sweaters? I mean, it's just like <laughs> there's only so many sweaters you can wear in California. Yeah. Uh, I got a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> I still have all this sweatshirt and this jacket I have from Washington still. <laughs> I'm never go. wearing them out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. You wear them like f- four days a year. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. Yeah, so interesting. And you, you like, did you take the stand-up immediately? Did you like it as soon as you did it, or were you like, uh... Um, well... I so I started doing it in college and uh, my college again they started a, a a late night show while I was going there. God. Is it just for stand up or anything variety? This was on the local government access channel. So it had to be educational in nature, but it was we would do monologue jokes, we would do field pieces and sketches. Wow. So that was the first time you saw yourself as technically doing stand up would have been Live via satellite on campus? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, because I... In front of an audience or no audience? There was an audience. There was an audience. Mm-hmm. And how did that go the first time you did it? Because I... You, I guarantee you, you... are not guarantee, but I bet you killed the first time you did of it. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, I... Well, I... The way that it worked was I got hired on as a writer for it, and there was another guy that delivered the jokes. So I there was another kid, Kenny Davis. Much love to Kenny. He's a he's a wrestling ring announcer now. Oh or wow, boxing ring announcer up in Washington. Great guy. Um, 
he was a comedian before. He had done like a year or two of stand-up, so he knew how to write jokes. So he showed me how to like write monologue jokes. And then we would just start. I would write these jokes every week. I would write like 20 jokes every week off the off of like headlines. That's great. And That's then good practice. I, just, yeah. I grew to really resent the host because he got to tell my jokes. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't like his timing. I didn't feel like he was telling him right. And I was just like, God damn it. Let me get in there. And then um I was doing like field pieces eventually. And then he was like, you know, I would rather do field pieces and I think you would do better monologue jokes. And I was wow. like, couldn't agree more. <laughs> so we switched and then I was doing like a so my first kind of stand-up was more doing monologue jokes like uh, Carson style. No, more like um, Weekend Update. Oh, from a desk. Yeah, on a desk because we ha- also had um, it was multimedia, so we had we were putting in uh, picture punchlines, which was another fun thing to come up with as yeah. well. So I that was sort of my first foray into doing stand-up, and then from there I would like sneak in jokes. <coughs> I would just say you know one-liners in between news stories and then i was like this is just fucking great this is what i want to be doing you, and lo- you loved it my, all my attention just just shifted that direction so and so hard. when did you actually go into hell which is your first actual open mic or and or bar gig or the um, the real world of yeah my first my first club set was at the old comedy underground in seattle Oh, dude, that a, place is great. It was rad. Yeah. It was for a funniest college student contest. I think I got third out of four people. Wow. <laughs> hey, all right. Um, and uh, Four out I, of five at home, three <laughs> out of four in your first stand-up. Good job. <laughs> but I was, I was fucking stoked. I was like, this is amazing. This is so cool. But for whatever reason, it didn't occur to me to just move to Seattle to do stand-up. I was like, I'm moving right to L.A. out of... Oh, interesting. Yeah, because Seattle has a pretty good scene. Like, it's a good place to cut your teeth, a good place to kind of Absolutely. Come There's up. like yeah. four fucking clubs down there. Yeah. There's a bunch of funny people up in... Tons of rooms, I'm sure. Yeah. Outside of the clubs. Yeah, even Bellingham's got a couple rooms now that um, that are pretty good. Um, and then there's stuff up in Canada. Like, it would have been a fucking great place to start. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, I was like, nah, I'm going to move to North Hollywood. Yeah. I did the, dude, I did the same thing. I lived in Illinois 30 minutes from the city of Chicago and was like, I'm going to move to Echo Park and take a bus to North Hollywood. Isn't that <laughs> that's crazy? That's start. We're stupid. That's well, where we're stupid. Here's the deal. You, I you didn't have. You have to be kind of stupid now to do what you do, so it's fine. Right. It out. <laughs> but I didn't have any, the inkling you had, like, I didn't, wasn't writing sketches. I wasn't, I hadn't done any, like, I moved out here in 1999. Like, I was, yes. I was like, I, I went to literally an LA Weekly eventually after months right. of me not knowing what I was doing out here. And then, like, circled a couple of open mics and literally took the number two bus uh, down Sunset and caught two more buses to get to the Ha Ha Cafe. The ha ca- that was my first place, was the Ha Ha Cafe. Yeah. I, I moved, when we moved here, we were two blocks from the Ha Ha, and I had no idea. We, we went, we had to, like, set up our bank at, the, at our closest branch, and it was across the street from the Ha Ha. And I was like, tight, that's my club. This is where I'm going. And yeah. that's where I was, that was there for the first couple of years. Yeah. Regularly. Very regular. I mean, look, I got you got stage time. You were able to hang out. You just, a lot yeah. of different people rolled through there. So yeah, it was really diverse. That was really cool. It was just rough too. It was a little like I wasn't that cool. I wasn't very Hollywood when I moved here. So I really felt like outclassed in a lot of ways. Like I can't really hang with these dudes. I don't. What does that mean? Just like you know, like 
I don't know, like more plugged in or more like hip to like what was cool in Hollywood at the time. Oh, I just felt like a hayseed, okay. you know. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that funny though that there's yeah. a, there's an arc to that though? You realize you go over the hill and you come back yeah. and you go, oh, none of that matters. Right. Yeah, but when you first move here, it's so intimidating. Yeah, so it much. really is, man. It really, really is. Just driving around on. the city is intimidating. You're like, oh, oh. My God, oh no, no, dude. John. They don't use Thomas guides anymore. Everything's fine now, dude. There's... Before oh. I even had a Thomas guide, it was like I had to write down. Someone would tell me where to go, and I had to write it down and be like, I hope this works. And then, you, then you're over there looking, and you get somewhere where, like, I remember looking so for true. Melrose Place once. I was trying to do a delivery. I was looking for Melrose Place. I had the directions written down. Melrose Place itself is just a tiny little nubbit of a street that just shoots off of Melrose Avenue, like in between like King or Oakland or whatever it is, and you you can't even. If you're driving and you're looking at directions, you mi- I missed it every time. Right. I went fucking insane looking for Melrose Place to drop off some piece of shit to some rich business. I was like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> it was really annoying. But, like, driving around was rough the first year, Yeah, I would I, say. I was lost all the time. A lot of yeah. crying in my car from being, like, just stressed out. And oh, my car. Did you have a car that actually worked? Oh, dude, I had no. Every time I, mean, I started, it did all right. <laughs> yeah, I sold it as soon as I could. Yeah, that is such. You know, it's funny you would say that about the the, the frustration. I think that's what that that's why a lot of people leave. They yeah. get here, yeah, and they don't realize how intense it is because this is a very spread out city. On top of it. like people talk about like New York or Chicago, it has its own different type of intensity because it's yeah. all right there. Yeah, yeah, but. But one of the biggest things here is, especially if you're coming from somewhere where you're not that familiar with uh, the size of it. Yeah, it's a massive, windy. Oh, place. to get yeah. from here to Santa and Monica. Yeah, and it's if you had to do that with no map, just you could yeah, do it. I had this. I get same thing. I can't tell you how many times I pulled over because I thought I was going to lose my effing mind. Yeah, because I just didn't know where I was anymore. Yeah, like I don't know what's going on. I mean, it's probably a lot easier for people now because of the way the phones oh, work. Dude. But, oh, people yeah. that move here now, they you truly don't get it. No. Oh you man. Not the way we how big a production this town assistant. Is. When I meet a PA and they're just literally gonna put an address into their phone and they don't and they have a and cell and they're not pulling yeah. over with a bag of quarters to use a pay phone and get a page about getting somebody another fucking coffee. I'm like, you yep. have no idea. You, you have no idea know. how good you have it. No. But that also makes me feel and sound like a super old man. Well, it just it's true that we moved here in a different time, yeah. pre-iPhone, and Dude. it's really, it's cool in a way that it's really transformed the town, or everything is a little more accessible. Also, of course, it leads to things like gentrification and uh, sort of oppressive bullshit like that. Yeah. But in terms of being a person that can live in and manage to live in the city, it's so much fucking easier now. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So fuck just where do you want to eat? Just right? you, you type in eat, and then it's like, <laughs> you know, before I I, mean, I ate at like three places because someone took me to those three places, and that's all yeah, I knew. That's how you knew about them. That's yeah, all yeah. I was like, I know Rodeo, yeah. uh, the Mexican place on Sunset, and then I, I'll, I'll go to the uh, Shortstop Bar, and then uh, I mean, I had like four places in Echo Park. Well, wow, you moved all. to a great neighborhood, though. I live in Echo Park now. I live, dude. I I had I for four months. I lived right across from Dodger Stadium, up King, up King, yeah, 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 on Douglas. Uh huh. And then. Right before the season started, the guy we were living with was like, you guys got to fucking go. It was like me and my buddy were like 24 years old living with this 40-year-old guy who was like, Everything you smell you like Budweiser wrong. and fucking cigarettes. Get out. And we're like, yeah, probably. Yeah, you're right. So we moved to Sunset and Western. But right before the season started and then went to our first Dodger game oh, on man. like Memorial Day weekend. Passed his house. Did you walk past his house and throw shit at it? 
Yeah, who, because he wrecked everything for you, the 40-year-old creepy no, guy. No, 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 Sam, I love that guy. Uh, no, okay, that guy Sam, was great. Okay, right, he right. was, look, <laughs> okay, if so I, I had two... I thought it was a negative relationship. No, 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 sorry, him. sorry, sorry. That guy was super cool. There was... He just asked him to go because he couldn't stand him, but that's what Dude, the guy would come home and, like, I we'd be hammered on the... De- ba- like, yeah. he's 40, trying to make ends meet, and me fucking shithoused every day. He's like, yeah. you, it's 9 a.m., you smell like Pabst. I'm like, yeah, dude, because it's 9 a.m., and yeah. we're drinking Pabst. Like, he I was would like, kick you out, too. Yeah, yeah. Exa- yeah. Dude, if Actually, I was... can you just go now? I, I, if I, I'm, just a story alone makes me want to kick you out. fucking 44. I wouldn't <laughs> let a 24-year-old live at my place. Like, get out of no here. Way. Well, he's you, also made some poor life choices at the point if he let you in. That, so He has to accept some responsibility. Dude, he was running out a room to two people that were, like, he knew through a buddy of his from college. That's all he was doing. Yeah, he had a lot of regrets funny. back then. The uh, um, so you said we did you did you move out here with your wife? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're true, truly truly uh, high school sweethearts. You were, oh, you okay. met in Washington? Up in Washington. She's also from California. That was where when, in California is she from? She's from like San Diego, Santa okay. Barbara. Ooh, the relaxed California. So both yeah. you guys be having some sort of footprint here. It wasn't that difficult to come here. No, as far as decision making, right? No, no, we we would. We had already been like driving down to California every summer since we were sixteen. Driving like, down, isn't that a that's a haul, isn't it? Twenty five hours. A couple of days, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's fun, and you know when you're. Oh man, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful drive. drive you camp dude. along the way. Oh, and, uh, it is though. I mean, it's great. Uh, the West Coast is the, is the best coast, man. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I, for having lived at the top of it and the bottom of it, dude. I just fucking love it's it. It's all good. My wife's from Central, like Northern California. Oh I, yeah, dude, b- beautiful. beautiful. I fucking love it up there. Yeah, yeah. So we moved down together. Like I graduated college, we got in June. We got married in August. And we moved here in October. Did she go to school the same place you did, or she did something else? She did. Yeah, she also did like a summer in Hawaii. She was a marine science major. Okay. Yeah, she's so she's the science person. That's all right. <laughs> Still is. Well, it's cool. You know, it's like it's hard to have a real lifetime job in that, but just being able to share that interest with our kids is really cool. And um, uh, she's great. That's awesome. You said she doesn't. She does not have a career no, in that world. She doesn't have a career in that oh, world. It's oh, okay. just very challenging to sort of have a long term career in that world. Okay. I guess doing research. You know, that's not. You know, you're on a boat. You're out. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Or every like when we moved here, everything for her. Like the challenge was, they want you to just volunteer. They want it like cool. you got to intern, cool. <laughs> and yeah. it's like. Another That's classic American way. I know you just spent six hundred thousand dollars on your education. So what we need you to do now work for free. Is work for free for a while. Got mouths to feed. To Try volunteering value. a second time. Yeah. <laughs> That's class warfare. Good uh, God. God, all the ways we can repress people and make sure that the top gets as much money as possible. But anyway, yeah, completely different story. Um, so you guys are out here, and she totally, fully supports uh, you. You and your crazy. I want to do stand up dream, huh? I've always well, it's like it's like I've been doing. Is that what you guys discussed before you? Forgive yes. me for that. When you guys discussed moving down here, what was the discussion? What was the plan? We already wanted to move to California, but for what reasons though? Like, what was the what was the goal? I think we both wanted to live here, just because it's sort of like you know it it vibrates with us properly. Okay, it feels like the place where is home, and it it was uh, you know a good place for me to do what I wanted to do. Um, I don't know if we even considered San Francisco. I think Los Angeles, because I'm from Southern California. My grandma and grandpa, or grandpa lived out here. He's he's passed away, but my, I got some aunts that live down here. She's still got family up in Santa Barbara. So it's like... You have family in the it's area. It's home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I when it's the holiday, like Thanksgiving, I go to my aunt's house. Yeah, you're not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not just in a totally foreign land at all. Um, 
and for her, you know, similarly, which so it's really nice. Did you did you uh, come down here and say, all right, I want to do the stand up thing, but we're both going to just go get some sort of like normal real jobs just to kind of establish ourselves here? Or what was your kind of game plan? Uh, yeah, arrival. I didn't really know. I did have a. Fr- I had a friend. This I had a connection. Was he forty four years old? And <laughs> his name was Sam. No, his name was Jesse. He's a cool dude that I did sketch stuff with in high school. Okay. He went to school at Loyola. Um, his dad. I don't know. I don't know how this worked. He lived up there, but his dad had been a producer on the X Files at some point. Wow. Yeah. And so he went to Loyola. He did film stuff there, and like he's a great guy. He's really cool guy. Played in bands, just rad. And when I moved here, I was like, "Can you try to help me get a job?" And he was like, "Yes," because he knew that like I didn't have I didn't have shit, and he knew some people, and at least he he's like, "I can try to get you like a." you know, a job as a PA or something. And he yeah. did. I got a job logging on a reality show. Well, what show? It was a pilot. <laughs> it was a pilot uh, that was like a, it was like trying to recreate the breakfast club. Oh, yeah, I hate with... it already. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's about to take a turn. It's about to get worse. <laughs> take no, a no. turn for the no. worst. <laughs> they were using like the, the, you know, the paradigm of the, the characters from the breakfast club, but it was, through the lens of a high school reunion with one celebrity. So one celebrity is going back to their high school, reconnecting like 20 years later. And the pilot was with Moby. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and dude, I just... <laughs> you had to log that? I had to log that. I, did, I was night those, logging, too. For those that don't know, explain, like, just means oh, typing oh, everything yeah. that's said. You know, that's transcription. Oh, so transcription. Not, sorry, sorry, sorry. You're logging tape. I'm logging tape. I'm describing the action in the scene um, just from the raw footage that they shoot. Right, They shoot okay. a ton, and then transcribing the interviews. So anytime you see someone speaking, I would have it's to like write a talking everything head. they did. And uh, I was on the night crew, which means they had a lot yeah. of footage to get through. I didn't get to hang out with the people that actually worked on the show. It was like me and a night... Uh, coordinator, and I just remember <laughs> I did it for two weeks, <laughs> and then you know, the pilot was over. Yeah, right, okay. And, uh, <laughs> gig's a gig. Gig's a gig. I remember eating at the Carl's Jr. out there, just like, oh, it's nice to be eating Carl's Jr. again. Yeah, yeah, I can afford it. <laughs> can, can afford this afford fancy it. fast food. Yeah, it was great. But then, you know, that job ended, and I didn't have a job. I had to go back to what I did all through college, which was work at a tire shop. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you know how to put tires on a car. Fuck yeah. I can change a tire real good. Nice. Real fast. I know all about tires. That's so funny. My brother worked at a Nissan dealership like for like years. Uh-huh. And to this day, he can still name... He worked in the parts department. He can still name. He's like, what? He's like, I got a Nissan, a '95 Nissan Altima. I need wiper blades. Oh, he's like X four five five five. He knows the part number. That's like, so funny. It's bizarre, but like when you work somewhere like that, it becomes almost like yeah. you can change a tire probably without with th- very little thinking involved. You're just like, yeah, uh-huh. next to none. Yeah, I, I know all the parts of it. That's awesome. I got really good at it, <laughs> which was like. It was a great job. I liked it in college because it was kind of outside. It was physical. It wasn't food service, which was what I had Dude, to do. Dude, yeah, you're de- it's a, you're dealing with cars. If you like cars, I I fucking love cars. I was a car guy, hardcore, and just to get to get inside every single type of car and drive it, even just around the yeah, back, dude. was fantastic. Should have been a valet. You get to do that too. Well, then <laughs> when I moved to when I moved to L.A., the one that um, the closest one in my house was in Pasadena. And Pasadena one does a lot of work with the Rusnak dealerships. So and that's like a really high end dealership. So yeah. we would be and I had some experience working on like the more high end stuff. 
So they let me, I was get, I get to work on all these Porsches and Corvettes wow. and Vipers and Aston Martins. And I was like, this is the shit. That's cool. So it, it didn't bother you that you were doing that stuff. You were totally fine with it. I liked it, but you know, I wanted to stop doing it. I wanted to move, I wanted to become a, a professional in the entertainment business. So what did that mean to you though? Like obviously you get out here and you realize there's not really money in stand up unless you go elsewhere to do stand up. Right. So then there's this sustaining a living. Right. What did that mean to you? Ultimately, well, I kept. I did get a call back to eventually go back and log on that show. Oh, okay. Or on another show for yeah. that same production company, and then I did that. Do you remember the company? Yeah, Husik Falls. Are they? They're not around anymore. Are they? I don't know if they're still around. Uh, the guy that the the owner of the company, George Vershoor, was the guy. Like he helped create the real world. Gotcha. He's like he really understands like the documentary element. Dude, the real world spawned all the reality that you watch today. Yeah, it literally did. Yeah, there was something that happened in the seventies with uh, they made a movie with Albert Brooks about. Um, they did like a cinema verite. Yeah, um, follow a family around, but the real world itself was the first time people saw real people on camera yeah. acting like real people, and was like, I want to follow these real people because their lives are now more interesting than mine. Right, because there's a camera. And to me, that was cool because I I watched the real world when I was a kid, and sure. I really love. I thought, I thought it was informational. It was like culturally relevant to like see up people that were not like you. And you were like them. you were like a positive puck. I was, <laughs> I was a positive. I would never put my fingers in your peanut butter because I'm too polite. <laughs> but I'm a bit of a jackass. Again. <laughs> but I like riding bikes. I love riding bikes. <laughs> But that was cool to work with someone that was like a real pro at it, and, yeah. um, and they did more like uh, soft scripted stuff. Oh, he, uh, like Son of the Beach was another show that. Oh they did. yeah, and I was really the Howard into Stern that. produced show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, dude, fucking one step away from greatness, dude. You I know? mean, look, that was a pretty funny show. That was on for a, a little while. I thought it was rad, I, yeah. and I was stoked to work there. They were cool. They gave me a lot of. They let me uh, eventually. I got to be like a story assistant there, and then. I don't know. I ended up moving out of there and working for another production company for a long time, for a few years. Doing same kind of thing. Do then I well I had one little foray into a a great job I had was I worked on the show called Pros versus Joes. I remember that show. I got hired as a part of the games team. Oh. So my job was to we would go out to the uh, Home Depot field in Carson. And we would come up with games based on the celebrity athlete that was coming. So, like, you have a guy that's, like, really known for, you know, whatever. You try to come up with a game yeah. Yeah, with yeah. that. And so it was rad. We were renting all this sports equipment and, like, you know, getting, like, the football cannons and, like, trying to write these games. And I loved it. Dude, that I, sounds fun. But that that game, that show, uh, we would write all day and shoot at night. And so it was, like, fuck, I couldn't do stand-up. Yeah, you were working all the time. And then after that show, they tried to bring me on to work on, like, Big Brother. And I was like, I just I can't give you this much of my life. <laughs> because that's that's what it does. It takes for the allot amount of the time you're working on a production like Big Brother. When you think about those really big reality shows like a Survivor or Big yeah. Brother. My wife's working on something right now in Costa Rica. She's been gone four weeks, dude. Like, God. And that's not like she's in Costa Rica working every other day, traveling around the, the no, It's like the 16 area. hours a day. It's 17-hour days. Yeah. Six days a week, your day off, you're like, I want to sit in the air conditioning and drink Mai Tais. Like, no one wants to do anything. No. It really cons- it can, production work can consume you. Like, uh, there are, 
we've had a lot of people like I'm I'm very similar to you in the sense that I wanted to I'm we came here I started to want to be do comedy and then f- fell into being a PA being yeah. a producer and and like really enjoyed being around it you know what I yeah. mean I like being on set I like dealing with the people crews are great like Love I like it. making fucking TV I like that yeah it's cool but it is all, even right now I'm doing locations work I'm an assistant locations manager for a, a couple of things and. That can be all-consuming yeah. days at a time. And you're like, dude, I just want to go on stage and tell fart jokes. Yeah. This is a lot to have to wade through to get to that point. But yeah. but it's also, to me, um, much more satisfying than doing anything else. Meaning, yeah. like, if I can't be on stage, if I can't be in front of the camera, if I can't be writing on something, I'd like to be helping with a production in some way. Right. Because I, I really enjoy that shit. I think it's fun. It doesn't, it feels like a weird camp, you know, when it you is. work with like people on a production for a little while, you're like, these are my people, these are my friends. Yeah. And then the production ends, you're like, I'm never going to see you again. <laughs> Goodbye. <Yeah. laughs> it's just very strange, but but a lot of fun. Did you, so the one thing is, everybody always seems to have like two things going on at once because stand up is not a high paying, uh, it's a, a very rewarding, uh, high yes. risks, high risks, high rewards. Type right. of, uh, of 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 art, if you right. will, but everybody seems to have this parallel life. Did you did you, were you fine with the 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 growth of where you were? It seems like you kind of kept your foot in some sort of reality based stuff, or or did you try to get over to more scripted based stuff where you felt you could get more out of it? And was that difficult? Did you see that those worlds were not? Yes, they they were not like oh you've been working in production. All this time, let's come on over to the scripted side where they go. No, no, no. You're working in that kind of production. That's exactly the experience that I that was so frustrating to me was doing work and having people really look down their nose at you because you're creating, um, you know, shitty content, reality based content, and there's no there's zero crossover. There's no way to turn in a really quality uh, reality program and have them bring you on to start writing on a thing that. I've never seen that happen. It's you can write scripts outside of it and submit them and get in that way, but you can't. You can't. No give one in the scripted world looks at you from the reality side and goes, "Oh, hey, come on over. We could use you." Nope. I tried it. I had several. I had a lot of interviews to try to like come over as like a writer's assistant or like a producer's like personal assistant on stuff, and it was always sort of like, "Yeah, but I got this." Uh, they end up hiring someone that's like from NYU that went to film school that like or like this is their internship and then they get hired after the internship and I was like I felt get like I was getting routed the whole time mm-hmm. and then um, when the last Writers Guild strike happened I remember I was working as a story producer and I was really following it I, I'd gone down to a couple of the things and I was like I hope that they're gonna bring in story producing because I am literally writing I am sometimes writing explicitly what the person on the screen is saying. Yes. I deserve to have some of the same like, you know, protections as a as a worker. And uh when that sort of got left out of the fold, which I'm sure was a bargaining chip because it is so lucrative to have these non-union programs. Yeah. But I felt really like heartbroken by that. Like I can't do this. I can't continue working as a story person on reality stuff because I'm never going to have health insurance. I am always going to be, they, they'll write in six-day work weeks. They're like, we'll only have you work five. It's only five, but we write in six in you're case we seven. have to stay. Yeah, you are. That seventh day, you're at home doing answering emails and talking on the phone and doing <laughs> bullshit. You're always And I working. was like, fuck this. Yeah. 
fuck you. You're asking for too much of my time, and you're not giving enough back. And, and for, for something that you yourself aren't, like, head over heels about. You, you're right. not, like, if it was a show, like, if you had, like, you know, if, if someone brings you on to, like, Seinfeld, and you right. it's something you believe in or you think is hilarious, yeah. then those seven-day weeks, you're like, yeah, but look at what we're putting out. Right. Now you're like, yeah, but I do all this work, and look what you're putting out. It's like, I know, it's more of a disgusted like, this is what you did with my fucking talent. <laughs> yeah, fuck you guys. But then, like, I would, re- I remember I read this interview with Tina Fey, and they're like, what do you do to relax? What do you do? She's like, I have to go home and just watch like trashy reality television. I was like, see, one of the greatest minds in yep. entertainment who is being properly like assessed and praised and paid for what she's doing, what she likes to do. What she really likes to do on her free time is go home and watch what I'm making. Yeah. Don't you think I deserve the same type of benefits that she gets at her day job? Because when she goes home, she watches my day job. Yeah. So how's that fucking fair? Yeah. And I just, I really resented it. And um, I worked on, the last show I had been working on was, I worked on Bridezilla's. And I did three seasons of it. And by the end of it, I was so fucking furious with like the way that the system was set up to sort of like subvert actual success in yeah. the industry that I I was like I'm I'm done. I'm not doing this shit anymore. But don't you think it's also set up like everything else which is there's a there's a small group at the top that yeah. wants the lion's share of the cash flow and they don't want too much of it to go down below. They don't want to spread too much of the wealth and too much of the success because if you start giving away pieces that take in their mind that's taking away from what they have it, there seems to be um a hoarder mentality if you will like yeah. everyone always talks about oh my god there's so many more places it's netflix hulu amazon but what if you listen to what they're saying apple just came out did apple go out and find a bunch of new people no no they went and got all the same people they worked with all the uh, the same people that are putting content out on netflix Hulu yeah. and Amazon. Yeah. And if it sounds like I'm bitching a little bit, I am. Because yeah. it's true. It's frustrating. It. It's and, frustrating. And or they're pulling from the same tree. They're not really. Right, they're right. like. Um, I, I remember meeting with someone over at Amazon once. And they said, well, what we're really looking for, Brian, is um, Judd Apatow is really expen- uh, um, successful. So we're looking at all the people that Judd works with. Right. So what, basically what they're saying is we want just more Judd Apatow content. Yes. And so we'll just find the other. We won't get him. Right. We'll take the person that works with him. Right. That's it. That's as far as we're willing to look. And and so be it. It's their business model. I've come to accept that. Yes. If those are the rules of the game, then find a way to play the game if you want to stay in it. So I, right. I, I, I kind of understand. Now well, I, as a comedian, I think like um, you have to keep in mind that to be a comedian is about having a sense of humor. Yes. And if you can't laugh at how fucked you are in trying to pursue a career in the entertainment is right. if you can have a fucking belly laugh at your own expense a couple times a year a couple yeah. times a year you should get into a different business you should pack it in yeah i because agree i agree <laughs> or get gummies because i'll tell you ever since john <laughs> yeah, or, turned me on to or starting oh, yeah. cbd gummies yeah <clears> that that lowers the the hum a little bit oh but they're but they're really they're really out some is, of the anxiety of it i mean yes it, it is I, i'm being serious i know part of it i know i joke about my my journey but it has been a Fucking it's game changer. Dude. Yeah. A goddamn game changer. There are so many things that don't bother me anymore. Yep. And I fucking love it. It's a gift. I also think, I mean, gummies aside, I also think that <laughs> I've I've wor- I've worked at at becoming a person who isn't so focused on that, but just has to yes. really enjoy. Like you said, man, every once in a while I do. I laugh at the absurdity of somebody going, 
oh no, you can't do this because you've never done that, and we yeah. need this to do that. And you're like, you're all weird. You're all crazy. You're out of yeah. your fucking minds. It's like you don't want to take in. Nobody wants to take any chances on anything until one person over here takes a chance on something, yeah. and then everybody wants to do a knockoff of it. And right. then that goes on for ten fucking years. Yeah. And then they're like, what's the new thing? Vampires. All right, right. you're not a vampire. Get out of my way. It's yep. like, dude. Okay. So like, it's nonsensical. But I think if you can maintain an attitude of, look, the whole thing is just a ride. We happen to get this weird, mysterious, we've picked this odd, un, almost unattainable thing, Completely. and we're going after it. And it's like, it's funny. It's funny. It's, it's weird. Funny. It's silly. It's, it's fucking. But also, it should be a good time, you know? Yes. And, and, even, and, and even when it's not feeling like a good time, those are the times that eventually you're going to look back at and go, dude, remember when I was literally eating just bread and mustard? And I, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you'll laugh about it until well, you have to have that again when you're, you're in your 40s. You're also talking about enjoying, um, and I, I don't remember who told me this a long time ago, and I'm really glad that I heard about it. you got to enjoy the journey because there's going to be some yeah. bullshit along the way. Yeah. Like, Don't just get solely focused on when do I get to the top because you always hear about people that are like, yeah, I finally made it there, but I didn't enjoy anything Getting there because I was so obsessed with getting there. And it's just like, you know, years can go by and you have to be able to look back and like you're talking about and say, yeah, but I still enjoyed it. And every time we've ever worked on a project together, John, the first thing before we start is going, are we going to have fun doing this? Because we don't really know if it's going to land anywhere anyway. Right. But if so it's, it's not a good time, it's not worth pursuing. Because no, even absolutely. if it is, even if it does pay out a billion dollars in the end, I don't want to work on something I'm miserable at or yeah, I right. fucking hate or I don't think is good. Like, yeah. I'll take jobs that other people have created and I'll take those jobs and I'll work on shows that I might not be 100% behind because it's money and I right. need to pay my bills and I would rather do that than work for an insurance company or whatever. Right. But, like, if it's something I've put my name on and I'm help, I want it to be something that I fucking like. Yes. No matter what anybody else thinks, I want to like it first. Yeah, and, yeah. and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll tell you guys, um, uh, I would say about a month ago, I um I received a call from somebody. He's got a lot of uh, a, a close friend who was trying to help me get something made, and he called me late on a Friday and he's like, "I, I got to talk to you." And I was like, "All right, cool." And he said, "Listen, um, I've really tried to push this project through for you, um, this TV show thing that I had done." He said, "But you know, all the powers that be, and these are like the big agents, the big managers." They're, they're not interested. And I said, okay. You know, like I wasn't, I've been around long enough. I'm not going to get devastated about it. But he right. was like, but, but the, the, the beauty of this specific situation was to be able to get more insight. Because we've all been rejected by people and they just bullshit you out the door because right. they don't want to tell you the truth. Right. And th the, the sad reality of it was that they didn't even bother reading the stuff. What they said was they looked at the names that had created it. They didn't know who those names were. And they said, in their world, it's not even worth it. Right. And that was the beginning and the middle. My and name the was on that, too. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Just so you know. You and, know what I mean? But they, like, well, actually, no, this is a, a Oh, different project. thing? Oh, good. But it, it, all, <laughs> it, it, but it pertains. It all pertains to the yes. same thing, which is they, didn't, they, they were not seeking whether or not the content had the value necessary to sell. Right. They looked at the names, and they said, we ran the numbers in our business, and this is why we're just going to say no. And we're going to be honest with you. We're not going to do shit with this because this this person and or these people that are attached to this project offer zero value. Right. So you, you want to believe that somebody's opening it up and they're reading it and they're going, oh, my God. 
Right. There's something here. What can we do with this? That's right. not how the business works. Or they're rejecting it based on them reading it and not liking it. Like, not based on the three names on the front or whatever. You know what Well, I mean? we've like, always joked that if you were to remove your name from a project and put George Clooney's name on it, they'd be like, oh, my God, this is amazing. We need to do something with this. We also yeah. know that that is a part of this process that yeah. we have. Right. But my answer to him, and the reason why I'm telling this story is because, and this uh, non-CBD related, <laughs> um, but my answer to him was, thank you. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I'm not surprised by this answer. I'm going to keep doing what I do. I'm proud of the project. I know it's a good piece of work. They're not interested. It's okay. Thank you for trying. And that was it. It's, it's, it does it suck? Yeah. But am I going to carry that over and like get, ha- have it wreck my life? You can't. No. You can't no. because it will wreck your life. It'll wreck your whole entire yeah. motivation to do anything. Like if, right. you, if you just sit down every time you're rejected, you're never going to get up. Yeah, it's Matt like, Knutson's got a great line. He says, uh, "My job is to to hear no for a living." Dude, <laughs> and it's like he's got he's got the best attitude of anybody I know. Yeah, and he's again. There's another guy. Knutson is a guy who consistently puts forth his comedy. He he, he records and releases albums. He puts out sketches, short films. Like yeah, this guy is always doing something to move forward. Yeah, and. And yet, you know, there we are at, at fucking the Venice Whaler on a Tuesday night telling right. jokes to seven people. Do you right. know what I mean? Like, there's, it's, it's, it's no, like, and tomorrow, Knudsen could be launched into fucking, you know, uh, you know, yeah. huge fame. You have no idea. But the thing is, like you said, are you laughing about it? Are you enjoying the journey? Because if you're not enjoying the journey, get, get out. Get out. Go. Get out. But that go goes, and I, I want to say that that goes. take shitty jobs. That goes for week. everything. That goes for anybody in any walk of life. Like, I'm, I don't mean to just make it sound like if you're not pursuing comedy or, or acting or, or a career in the entertainment industry. I, it's, it's everything. Like, right. if you... Yeah, maybe your job is just a, a, an eight-hour-a-day thing that pays your bills, but it makes you allows you to go mountain climbing or skydiving or whatever the fuck you love doing. Right. Like, enjoy every second of that journey. Enjoy the nonsense that goes on at work. Enjoy the fucking 10,000 TPS reports. Enjoy that because it's all kind of a ridiculous addition to this weird life. Yeah. And it's just something to be looked at as like, all right, there's a thing. It's nothing to be worked up about. That's true. Yeah. You're still, you're, it's your life. Yeah. So you might as well live it and Dude. not let them, you know, there are, there isn't like a Mr. Hollywood in charge of everything. No. And just. Wait. <laughs> Brian's like, I've been calling this number. Is this not Mr. Hollywood's number? <laughs> I've had this not business one, card not since 2000. Not fucking call back <laughs> in 19 years. The Fuck. only phone number you should always call is Bill Murray's 800 number. Because you never know. You never know. You never know. Pitch it, dude. That's the only one. He accidentally showed up for Garfield. I know. <laughs> so that's is weird. that true? Is that came off the 800 number? Uh, no, no, no. But uh, he, I remember somebody, was, I read something where he was like, yeah, I, I was like, this is a weird movie for the Coen brothers to be doing. That's right. I and read. they're like, dude, what? You've already signed. The th- it's not that Coen brother. And he's like, oh, okay. I'm Garfield now. <laughs> By the way, uh, greatest, uh, 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 was it Zombieland? The greatest uh, cameo? Dude. Oh, so no funny. Any yeah. regrets? Garfield. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, but but also that guy, every story I've ever heard from anyone who's ever met him, God, Bill Murray is the fucking best, dude. Like that that Talk makes about sense. Enjoying the journey. I bet you that's dude, his mentality is that, I'm just gonna enjoy the journey. Bill Murray and Bill Walton, dude, those two guys are enjoying their journey. So like, you said we should change our names to change, Bill. We should all be the Bills. Hey, it's Ooh, the Bill gang. I love like, it. 
Um, no, I just those are two guys I see online a lot, and then like I see Bill Walton at every Dead and Company show I go to. He's like, I'm always like, oh man, everyone at the Dead shows are so happy to see Bill Walton, except for the guy with a ticket right behind Bill Walton. <laughs> like, that'd be great to see the band for like five seconds, dude. You're 90 feet. He's like a tree in Lord of the Rings. Like, <laughs> what? To, so you started a family during this whole journey. Yeah. And 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 what what was that like? Is that is that got to be i mean i know for me it was stressful was it stressful for you regardless because of the pursuit and also was it an accident or was it an actual plan desire it was was it part of the game plan it was part of the game plan it was sort of like well we didn't not not to say that there's wrong with having children at any point of your life i wanted to do it younger or sooner than later sure just because i thought you know I, i could hem and haw and wait for the right situation but i'd rather just you know it's never the right time it's never the right time and or it's always the right time. That was it. Yeah. It felt right. I would. I had recently quit uh, working in reality shows. I was doing acting. I was doing more commercial acting at the time, and I was like, "This is fine. I can kind of do this. I can take care of the kid during the day. I can go do stand up at night." And uh, and that was the plan. And then it was like, "Well, all right." And that didn't work immediately. No, <laughs> <laughs> it worked. But you know, you don't. You either don't do. It's not that I did less stand-up. I certainly went and hung out less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the first thing that happens. Well, because kids aren't working. Kids don't live on your stand-up schedule. Right. Their schedule is completely the opposite of a stand-up schedule. And hanging out after a certain... Even when you don't have kids, you're just like, dude, what am I doing? Like, I just want to go home. Like, if I don't have stage time, what am I doing out? Yeah, it kind of feels like you're really just putting time in. Yeah. And that's like, is this where I should be putting time in? And then, um, you know, one thing that I really felt like I dealt with, because I was kind of the first in our kind of generation of people to start having kids, especially as a non-successful comedian. Let me be clear about that. As a (laughs) non-touring, non-financially viable comedian, to have kids is fucking crazy. (laughs) Uh, Because, you know, you there is like a perception that you're like not in it as much. And people yeah. be like, oh, I'm, do you want to go up early? I know you have a family. You, you probably want to get home. And I'm like, I see what you're doing there. You're, like, trying to reduce my legitimacy yeah. as a comedian yeah. because I'm a father. Like, that's fucked up. Yeah. It's like a twisted sort of game to play. It's like, oh, well, you have somewhere else to be, so we sh- you should probably just get up and Oh, die. see, I would use, when Eddie Pence first had his kid, when Colton was born, I would be like, hey... Can you drive to the show? Like, if we had a show at the same place, like, can, can I go with you to the show? And we're like, yeah. And then we'd get there, and I would go, Eddie has a kid. He's got to get home. So can we go up early? And then, See, and then I would use it to my advantage to get right. up, to get up, to get on, and get out. And yeah. be like, got to go. He's got a kid. So, like. Well, I mean, I can tell you guys, you know, the reality of it is for me, my personal experience with mm-hmm. it was I was a comedy store guy. Right. And I'll never forget um, talking to the manager, and he said, you know, we're probably going to phase people like you out because this vibe is not what we want here. We want it to be all young and like hip and cool. Like that's what that's what that's what America wants. They don't want to be hearing about what you're talking about. Right. And I mean, it's like, look, at, at one point you could be like, well, at least they said it to your face. Right. right? But the other the thing other point is, is, I that think that guy's it's also, an idiot. Well, he is because I, wh- the way I've always looked at it, you know, my stance on stand up, there is no one form of stand up. No way. And there is, I, I grew up, the stand-up I grew up on was people talking about a variety of different stuff. Everything from Steve Martin just being a fucking weirdo. Right. 
to someone talking about raising their kids, and I was a child, and I could still find humor in that. So I never understood this narrow, like, well, people on the Sunset Strip aren't going to understand what the fuck you're talking about. It's like, children, what are those? I, I never understood it, but that was the beginning of the end of my time at the comedy store. They just didn't, right. at that time, they weren't fucking interested. Well, it's sort of like what happened is uh, the people that were cool and in charge and hip, like they got older and they lost, they, you know, they, their feet were no longer touching the, the ground. They were floating and they were anxious because they were less sure of themselves. And then when like, when YouTube came around, it really challenged their perception and they felt like this is big and popular i know nothing about it i have to have a foot in this otherwise i am fucked and then when instagram became a thing and then like influencer culture was like youtube on steroids where now everything is millennial this millennial that where and um like i know even at my wife's work she works at a credit union they're terrified because they don't understand how to communicate with these young people and like we have to we have to we have to get influencers involved. We have to get these in our credit union. Yeah, to help, <laughs> to help, because otherwise, how young people don't watch TV anymore. What, what are they? And they they approach it so intellectually, like trying to understand young people, with uh, and it it totally scrambles their sense of like what anything is. They don't trust their own judgment anymore. They think they just have to defer to this uh, this younger yeah dude idea, and it's it's funny. It's funny, but it also like. The old people, young people thing has been forever. You it know? doesn't change. It's, it's the d- same cycle It doesn't cycle change. It's like old again. people didn't, when I was younger, old people were like, how oh, we reach these kids with their fucking heavy metal music? You know right. what I mean? It's like, <laughs> what? And like now it's like, stop trying so hard. Admit you're a young person. I'm an older person. Let's try to meet in the middle somewhere. Let's maybe yeah. use technology, but not to the point of like, hi, we're a credit union and we make wacky sketches on Instagram. Like, <laughs> right. what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, well, but, but it also goes back to what we're talking about in our business, which is where all the road, just more, they're just putting up more roadblocks for both both sides. They're roadblocking themselves by by being so narrow minded. True. It. And it's also roadblocking for anybody else that may have something to offer that may ultimately, which we've all learned, everything happens on accident, may connect with them. Yeah. Because right. there is no guarantee that anything. I, I, I came from the record business, and the, and the first thing they talk about is, no, we're going to sign 50 bands, and we're going to throw them all against a fucking wall, and one of them's going to stick. And we're going to claim that we knew that all along. We don't fucking know. Yeah, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason. you don't know. Right. And, 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 and usually, it's older people making those decisions, and they're trying to figure out what the fuck they're looking at. Like, the guy, when they, when you, if you ever watch Long Strange Trip, like, I love The Grateful Dead. If you ever watch Long Strange Trip, it's four-part, uh, six-part documentary series on Amazon. It's There's a guy in there. He just recently passed away, but he was, like, in charge of going to figure out, sign this band. And he's, like, he's doing a suit, sitting at 710 Hate Ashbury, like, okay, Jerry, Bob, guys, here's what we're going to do. Like, And they're, like, <laughs> fucking just, you know, everyone's on acid. They're, like, what, dude? You want to, we're going to go into a studio? All right. Well, we'll produce it ourselves. And this guy, he walked in when they were recording their first album and he was like, well, dude, I thought I was done. I thought I was done. I was never going to work again. I mean, they did, they were just figuring out the equipment and everybody's fucking minds are blown out of their skulls. And they're like, hey, this, Jerry would be like, we would turn everything up. And if it sounded bad, we'd turn some of it down. And then we, it was like, it took them forever to make that record. And the record, once they played it, the songs are like fucking 11 minutes long. The record company is like, what am I going to do with this fucking record? But this guy was like, I'm trying to like 
convinced these guys that we're hip, that we're cool. And like, they're like, no, you're not. Oh. You're not, dude. Just by t- saying that you are, immediately tells yeah. us you're not. Like, it's just, the gap is funny. And it, I think it should just be acknowledged a little more and not so much like, no, see, we're like you. It's like, right. no, we're a little different. I grew up with this. You're growing up with this. I understand times are different. Let's meet in the middle. Yeah, well, that's like our culture isn't really based on like craftsmanship. That's not like part of the American culture at this point. So no. it's not, it's less about being really good at job. your job. People are not like that excited about being like really honing their craft, like making a great fucking chair. You yeah. know, really like you want to be a, like, you want to make a sandwich, you make the best fucking sandwich. You want to like, you want to be successful, be the, be so good at it. Deliver it so well, be easy to work with. Like LA, the Portos family. Portos is a Cuban I saw bakery. It. Yeah, I saw the, it. the matriarch passed away. Yeah. She came to this town and created something. She made, a, and now there's like, they have several different restaurants. Everybody fucking knows this place. Yes. They make the food's best, delicious. The best food, the best desserts, the best. You know, Cuban sandwiches, it's so great, and everybody knows it. And the reason that it's successful is because it's great. They deliver yeah. every time. And it, they're not obsessed with, like, marketing it and, deliver like, trying to they're appeal. Not, add, yeah, they're not like, now we added a McDonald's uh, Happy Meal menu. It's like, no, these are the sandwiches we make. Well, it's almost, it's also do your thing. Do, do your, your thing. thing. Right. So, and, and going back to put a button on the story about the comedy store, was like, the guy told me that. I didn't, I didn't change who I was as a comedian. They may have changed their ideology of what they wanted right. at that time, but I didn't all of a sudden go, "Oh, well, what if I, what if I just stopped talking about? Ki- what if I came up with a thing?" Because I had, I used to manage bands, and I, I there was one band that I had to stop managing because the lead singer would be like, "Just tell us what's hot right now. We'll do that." And I go, "You, I go, dude, you can't do <laughs> your very short career doing just that. Just do your thing." Yeah, and I go, "You, I go. Let's say I told you to be like this band instead." I go, by the time you get out of the recording studio, that shit could be over anyway. Yeah, dude. So right. chasing your tail doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Just out of curiosity for you, like, what is your style of stand-up, and has it evolved over the time since you've been on here? My style of stand-up, I would I describe it as it's conversational. Okay. I really try to bury the lead. I try to make it seem like I'm not doing prepared material, and it's usually very much prepared. Are you personal-driven, or are you topical? Uh, all over the place. All over the place. Okay, yeah. but that's a very good. That's a really good assessment of your of your own comedy because that's exactly how I would describe you as somebody who's like, you honestly, other than him holding a microphone, you feel like he's just talking to you about something. Like, I just specifically off the top of my head, I'm thinking about it when that good guy's billboard was above <laughs> the comedy garage, but this venue that these guys, um, him and uh, Sean Green, who's been on the show, and Cornell Reed. Uh, a host of a fairly long-running show that's had yeah. many kind of incarnations and yeah. been in different venues over the co- course of a bunch of years. But but we were there one night, and Paul was on stage, and good guys with uh, Ryan, um, Russell yeah. Crowe and... Ryan Reynolds. There, there, yeah, Ryan Reynolds. There's, there was a billboard just above, you know, a random billboard, and he did, like, probably 10, 10 minutes on that billboard in the movie, and it was a movie he had the scene. And yeah. like, But, dude, I remember it being like, Fuck, if he is really just coming up with that, that's really, really funny. And that, I believe, was probably a riff. That on, was probably a riff. Yeah, but but that's a lot of your style is just like, I feel like if 
take the mic and the stage away and it'd be me and you having a conversation and you just riffing on these things that you thought were funny or worth yeah. talking about. Yeah, which is funny because I don't do that in conversation. I, no. don't, <laughs> I don't actually run the conversation. I kind of hate that. But yeah, on stage... Dudes, yes, yeah. Without, without, a fore, without a forewarning, like, hey, I'm going to run a bit by you. I hate that too. Oh, you know what I mean? It. If someone does something in front of me and then they do it on stage that same night, I'm like, ugh, I yeah. hate you. Turn it off. Yeah. I yeah. really think of like, it's... I think Gary Goldman's great. He's giving a lot of like advice to people on how to approach comedy. I think it's wonderful. And I I think a lot of people need to take in that advice and then put it through their own, their own lens and really uh, try to be themselves. And it's, it's an incredible challenge. It's, it's like an ego. It's an ego trip. You really fuck yourself up over it a bunch. That's why comedians are all depressed. (laughs) Well, it, it becomes, it becomes hard. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I go through stuff where, like that's what I when I when I look at a band that like, and I'll use Slayer, but like or or there are bands that like Social Distortion. Every album is progressively you can even say better than the album before it, and to have like eight nine albums of music that you put out where each one is better. I mean, fuck! I write one good joke and I'm like, oh shit, I might be tapped out. That, <laughs> might, that might be it, dude. I might never write another <laughs> funny joke again. I, that could be it. No more ink in the pen, you know, and and. And the, you know, then you write something else. You get excited about more material. But like, as a as a comedian, it can be really like, fuck, dude, this is just getting harder and harder yeah. to fucking come up with shit that's funny that I like that I, you know, and and it's it's hard. So to keep to keep being able to do it and find new ways to enjoy yourself at it is is it's a challenge. Key and a challenge, dude. Yeah, I think it's hard because like comedy is harder the older you get because life is serious. And when you're old, you're young. Some young some young people have very serious lives and they completely understand it. And a lot of us are insulated from real challenges. And yeah. then the older you get, inevitably you will go through challenges. And it's harder to stay in a good mood for just joking around, keeping it light, yeah. having a fun chat. And like this time we're going through now. Politically, it's, you know, you can see it. It hasn't made comedy funnier. It's made everyone more stressed out in it. <laughs> everyone, what everyone is projecting from the stage is a greater, like the level of stress is higher. Yeah. Would you, I mean, I don't know if this necessarily would be ever, you weren't ever this kind of comic before, but like I feel like the way things are now politically and the mindset of society has sort of not forced me, but like, helped me write better my jokes are now more um i don't know it's like where you could put one sort of negative word in a joke and have it almost be a punchline 10 15 years ago now my punchlines are much more intelligent i think it's caused me to become a smarter comic and still get my point across uh, and and still make fun of the shit that I wanted to make fun of without being as crass or um, maybe even blatant as I right. would have been like when I was starting out. Right, but it's kind of like being an athlete, where as you get older, your style has to, it has to change because right. you don't have the same tools that you showed up with. Yeah, you have new tools. You've got so many better tools, all of the the polish and the experience, but you don't have as much of the initial like light yeah it's like you you're a baseball player you're playing shortstop not many people can play shortstop for or outfield for a whole career you know move them from move them from center to first base and then you get a whole new set of skills and they become a designated hitter or whatever but like there are still ways to be relevant within comedy yeah and not be just hitting dingers the whole time you know 
Yeah, and I think you have to you have to sort of self-modulate. You've got to keep track of yourself and uh, be honest with yourself and not not try to give them what you think they want, you know, and stick with like trying to be trying to be honest with yourself and give them your best version of yourself, yeah. your craft of what you do. Yeah. Versus like, you know, some people you hear in their voice, they try to sound younger or they try to like present themselves <laughs> younger. And it's like, it doesn't, you don't look younger. People can see through you. Yeah. They'll, they'll see that. You just, I mean, yeah, you're a young dressing 40 year old. Right. I, I just kind of young. For my age, I suppose. I mean, but a, a person of, of 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 older generations would probably look at us and go, "What a t-shirt, dude! You need to put on like a three-piece well, suit." Well, yeah, like, we're true to our generation, I would say. Uh, yeah, yeah, but t-shirt and jeans, I don't think you can ever go wrong with. No, um, I think also you have to remember where we live. I don't know if point. I would have. I I, I don't think uh, people of I'm older than you guys, but like our of our. I'm just being honest. It's like um, people wouldn't dress like me. Right. Back in Wisconsin, where I'm from, right? They would dress age appropriate. They would th- they would Not, say you're hip. You're yeah, like you're cool. Exactly. Hollywood. Oh, oh, they don't exactly. They, they'd call him Hollywood Brian. It's not. They would. They do. They do. When I of go course. home, I get mocked immediately. But I'm okay with it. I can laugh it off because I think it's hilarious. I, and also, you're not going to tuck your flannel into your Wranglers, dude. No. Sorry. But you no, know what? I I'm bet I'm not in a hurry to be right. dressed like Grandpa. Exactly. Okay? That, that's. I bet when you live there, there was always a bit of you were always a bit like that anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lived on the east side of Milwaukee, which is very similar to what I, I I've, which is I've reevaluated my life. I've yeah. always lived in a in j- just outside the circuit kind of thing, mm-hmm. and that's what the east side of Milwaukee was too. Uh-huh. Was it had a different approach to life? Like I, I love living here. I, I love. I'm f- I, John and I talk about this all the time. I'm fascinated by the Hollywood sign. It's something I, I yeah. grew up staring at. I get it. I love all that. What I don't love, and I'm not a fan of, is I could never see myself living. Uh, Los Feliz to Hollywood to West Hollywood area because to yeah. me it's too much. Same here. This is my vibe. Yeah. Same. Echo Park, Silver Lake, um, Glassell Park, Eagle Rock. That's that's more my vibe. Yeah. And even more so, like if I want to be Midwestern, I'll just go to Pasadena because that's hell totally yeah Midwestern yeah. vibe. Naperville. Yes. But, I, but question for you: um, Did you see yourself as an artist or a performer after having kids? Did you find yourself evolving? Um, and what I mean by that is not necessarily evolving from the material, but how you approached um, what you do because the, the kids kind of come into your life. And it, it, how did having a family affect you? Well, immediately, the first thing was I I vowed and I followed through that I didn't talk about having a kid for the first year. Wow, good for you. I wanted to experience it and not try to come up with a take on it yeah. and not have an angle on it and just... Just have it be there. And so I was still doing, um, at that point, it was kind of a little strange. I was working up to recording my first album. And I was like, wow, you know, I should have recorded this album before I had this kid. Because my life is different now. I am a di- I am now, my, just my whole structure is different than it was when I wrote all this stuff. It prob- probably would have been better served if I had performed it and recorded it before. This when it changed. was still, in your head, who you were. Right. Because yeah. now, like, even as I was doing it, I was like, I floated in a couple newer jokes. And I was like, it's interesting. There are, you know, if if you are always kind of, you know, digging through your mind, trying to figure out who you are, you do evolve. And a lot of your ideas don't hold. They are funny and good for one time. And then later, it's like, I, 
not that I, some of it, I certainly don't agree with at all. Some of it, I only kind of agree with still. Sure. A few fucking gems. Sure. You know? Of course. But, um, I was, I was really dedicated to like not exploiting my family for material. I don't like make fun of my wife has always been a, a way just cause I want peace in my house. <laughs> Fair. I, Dude, I, I do a lot of, I do some wife jokes and it's best, uh, if she's not there. Right. Yeah, right for those yeah and i don't i mean i just want to have a peaceful home and i want to like try to leave that there and then now i i do talk about my kids sometimes but it's not i try not in stories i think that would embarrass them right it's usually like a reflection on myself or do you carry yourself differently now that uh, over time if you notice that who who you were and who you are now uh and how you make decisions and how you live your life ha- did have has it changed at all for you since you've had kids, for sure. Well, I don't, yeah, I think having kids and getting older, it's like I, I'm a little more risk averse, which is something that makes it harder to to hang in a town like this where it's a risky business. Thank you, Tom Cruise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, but you know what I mean. Like, there's more. the The stakes are inherently greater at every step of the way because it's not only my success and failure. It's like it will drip down to my children and if i am ask acting too too dangerously you know then i'm sort of inviting harm on my family and that's irresponsible i feel like yeah it's funny i, f- I feel the exact same way i'm real careful about how i go about stuff because for me i would love to there's a million things i would love to do but my priority is is who they are who, who they are and who they become right is is way more interesting to me and that's just me that's just how I roll, you know what I mean? Like, and and I'm and I'm fine with it. It took me a long time, though, right, to come to terms with that. I was I actually struggled when I first had my kids. Well, I, I felt like they were getting in the way of what I wanted, and it, I it was I was being very selfish. And well, the kids yeah. are always going to win the selfish battle because they're really good at focusing on one thing. But <laughs> um, and we're not. We're adults, right? We got a million things going on through our minds. So, but uh, but also. The best decision I ever made was just taking a step back. Well, two best decisions, having three. Wife, my kids, and CBD are the three things <laughs> that I think if have I could really marry CBD, made, I would made, yeah. have made a difference in my life. And by the way, just to be clear, there is THC in the CBD I'm taking. So yes, yeah. You're gonna, CBD alone is not going to. You're going to want to add a little help. bit of the THC in there. I'm more of a THC guy, but yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah, but CBD is great. But I think that that the best thing you can do. As you go through a change like that, it's just to embrace your new life and appreciate it for what it is and uh, get what. It's like there's a lot of good things in the world. All right. Ice cream's really good. Pizza's really good. Fuck yeah. But you don't have to like judge pizza on ice cream scales. Let it be good for what it is. Get the true value of what you're doing and let that be good. Don't you don't need to have like a thousand cool stripper stories. You know what I mean? You can Boom. have yeah. other great stories. Let me tell you something. I, I, I knew when I had crossed over anyway, because a couple weeks ago I, I had a mustache. Oh hell yeah. And I I, I always get weird stares and mocked <laughs> endlessly <laughs> for the mustache. The reason why I had the mustache? Because my kids wanted me to have a mustache because I was coaching them in football, and they wanted me to look like Mike Ditka. I love they that. They wanted a 1980s coach, and it was fun for them. And it was fun. For, f- oddly, it was fun for all the other kids in that league. Yeah. They all got a kick out of it. And the thing is, I did look stupid and ridiculous. But Parents I d- all I filed just... restraining orders, but the kids <laughs> loved it. But I just didn't care. You know what I mean? I didn't right. care because like, I knew that the world that, that mattered the most to me 
that was the thing. And it's like, I just didn't give two shits. Right. And that's so much funnier. You, a guy that knows how you look, that it's like maybe not the best looking version of yourself. (laughs) You know, people are giving you shit. But but what are you going out trying to fuck chicks? No, dude, you're not. So it's like, who cares? In this house, I am. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I'm always prowling in this house. (laughs) That's bizarre. Um, Yeah, no, I mean... (laughs) That shit is funny, you know? But that's also, you hear about Dana Carvey made Master Disguise because it's a movie he's, his kids would like. Right. You know what I mean? There are guys who take roles, and they're not just say guys, but actors who take roles in, in things because it's something that they know their kids are fans of. Yeah. Why not do that shit? I think it's, I think it's a good thing to do. I think yeah. it's like wholesome in the right way. Yes. Where to appreciate that like there's other parts of it that are valuable. Well, kids also help you let go of shit. For sure, in in a weird way, they're not they're not intent. It's that's not their intent, but from the adult side, you go, oh wow, yeah. But it's if a I good just let go of this. Who gives yeah. a shit? And also, when you look at a kid, it's a good like for for you guys having kids. Like that is literally what evolution sort of is. Like right. how your great grandparents were is probably um, you know your grandparents became a little bit better people, and then your parents became even better people, yes. and then you became an even better person, and now you're going to help your kids become even better people than you. And it's like, that's the dream. I mean, I imagine, and yeah, what I've been told absolutely. is the goal when you have kids is you want to give your kids everything you never had, and, and to, a, to an extent, and then you want them to be better than you. Right. That's well, the goal. Two things on that. Um, you are correct about the generations because I look at my great grandparents' photographs and my parent grandparents, and they were, look fucking miserable. And it wasn't until my parents' pictures were like, oh, we're smiling. We're yeah. having a good fucking time. Of course yeah. they were miserable, was, dude. They're washing dishes in a fucking well, lake or whatever. They were also like, dying of measles and polio. Yeah, exactly. Like, they live into age 27, and that's right old. Before they took it the picture, they're probably like so and so died. All right. Yeah. And <laughs> click. Snap. You know, but no, it, it, and it's true. Also for me, I, my family, I'm the youngest of seven, and I got Damn. the big part of me is all the wonderful memories that my parents gave me, and like the right. goofing around, and the and just all the shit that I carry with. Like I'm like totally driven to do the same thing. Like I want life is like memories, man. It's just like give something. Don't be the guy that just sits around and goes, hey. Shut up. I'm watching a fucking football game oh, right now. Oh, God, like, it was boring. Like, boring. It's just like, yeah, well, that's a great memory for, like, you know, right. all your family life. I, I just don't get I guess for me, in the end, I just I stopped giving a shit about so much that mm-hmm. it made my life way better. And that's not just having kids. I think part of it is also just getting older. Like, I battled with, like, turning 50 and, like, admitting it. Yeah. Because we're trained, especially out here, yeah. to not admit it. Yeah. And then I was like, what am I covering up? The yeah. fact that, as my one of my favorite guys of all time, Mike Wilbon says, "Father Time is undefeated." So I don't know what the fu- I don't know why you're fucking going up against Mike it. Wilbon quote. We don't get those very <laughs> often. Love Wilbon and Tony Chicago guy. Love him. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, but it's true. It's like yeah. once you realize that, you're like, yeah, who am I? Here, here, who am I fighting? Here's right. another thing. No matter what you're striving for in life, and and if your goal is just fame and wealth, you're fucking doing it wrong. But no one, no one is gonna remember you. In in a hundred years, in two hundred years, like right. like what you here here's the deal. Uh, I don't want to. I don't. I won't get too into it. But like no, like, yeah. Cause you started this with like a guy getting eaten by a machine. So like let's not end it with like another. <laughs> no, but like, but just the idea that like just enjoy it, enjoy whatever you're doing, and know that Brody that you should be doing the things you if you have in your family is what you wanted to do. Whatever you want to do is basically what I'm saying. As long as it's not hurting anyone else right. or bothering anyone else. Do what you want to do. Enjoy yourself because in the end, like, 
once your energy is back out there, like this identity that you have and all this stuff that you have and who you think you are is gone. It's gone. Right. And then and you become really who you are, which is just a fucking ball of light. Well, and that's the funny thing you're talking about stand up comedy and like w- when do you remember? It's like I you're bringing up Mitch Hedberg and for us it all matters, but I gotta be honest with you, my kids don't know who the hell he is. And which it is sucks. Or like you right. most recently, Bill Hicks is it's finally starting to kind of go down this path where like again, they're falling into that Lenny Bruce category where like people like there was a time when that person mattered so much and you, you you're gonna it's just everybody disappears at some point. Yeah, all it's, just and it's hard. Away. And, and yeah. I always feel doesn't make uh, them bad. No, no, it's just, it, it, it makes me. And that's what yeah. kind of gets me a little bit sad sometimes is the fact that there are people that you can say Lenny Bruce and they go, yeah, I don't know who that is. And they're, and they're not like young kids. They're just people. Like they're just really yeah. like I got a buddy in the Midwest. He's like, yeah, I don't know who that is. I'm like, dude, he's like one of the most famous stand up. Comedians, all the never heard language. Of no, I never mm. heard of them. So it's like there. Are, I could I could run a list of a hundred comedians that people in the Midwest have, that wouldn't know. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? And that that are steadily working or had worked or made a huge impact in. in well, what I we bring feel. up Lenny Bruce specifically because of what he had to go through and how it transformed what we're able to do to this I day. Yes, absolutely. Now for us, we put him on a different pedestal because of what we do and what we're able to get away with now as performers. But you you think that. It was so important to what we are today as society that we would that he would still maintain that that level of, of, yeah. of uh, everybody would know who he is, but it's just like right. it's just not how the world works. No, yeah, I think it goes back to like again, like I said, craftsmanship is not valued as as highly as it could or should be, or and so we don't want to look back and see like what how was this originally put together? Why what are we building off of? When I got into stand-up, I, I approached it very, I think maybe because I was in school, very academically. Like, I wanted to learn more about the history of it. I wanted to kind of see how it had been approached, like what I wanted to learn about it. And so I did. I learned all about old stand-up in America. And it was, you know, it, it informed how I approached it because I had felt like I had an idea of different ways to do things or what had already been done. And, um, and, and, and you find, that's how you find your voice through sort of looking at the comedy you like and seeing how they reach their punchlines. Yeah. And, like, I, I mean, it, it, maybe it starts off as an impression or an imitation at first, but you eventually find out who you are through that route. Yeah. And there's nothing, I think I think more people need to do that. Like, I'm always amazed when a comic is like, no, yeah, I just like being funny, so I started doing comedy, and they have no understanding of the history of, like, I mean, going back to vaudeville, like, that's yeah. the closest thing to, like, what a regular working comic goes through. It's, like, traveling city to city, weekend after weekend. You don't have any real friends in any town because you're there for three days. You do your shit and you go home. Yeah. And if you don't have something to come back to, then you're out all the time doing shows. It's very, like, it's the it's the closest thing to vaudeville now. You know what I yeah. mean? Is like, is this traveling. And, and it, it just... I don't know what my point was, except for I think you, great point. no matter what you're doing, you have to enjoy it. Well, I, I even I remember growing up. Like, remember Public Enemy came out, and like there was like all the boycotts and like, dude, right? It, 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 which is very similar to the whole Lenny Bruce thing, right? It's like history repeating itself. Yeah. Like two live crew. There's, there's the, the cops are showing up to these events and they trying to stop them from happening, and like there was, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like just I, I, again, you wonder like, does anybody know that part of the history of like yeah. what they fought through? Like that, right? Hip hop went through a lot of that yeah. same bullshit. Oh, yeah. yeah, and that's how you can almost look back and go, well, Lenny Bruce was Jewish. Most of these hip hop guys were black. There's definitely something with and and all it was was old crusty white people <laughs> trying to tell other people how to live. Yeah. That's what the Lenny Bruce thing is like. You can't say those words because people will hear them. 
who the what the fuck do you care yeah. what somebody else takes into their head hole? Yeah. If you don't like it, don't go. But then it was people who didn't like it standing in the back going, well, he said this and he said this. And that's what they were doing at those fucking early public enemy shows. And that's what they're doing at two live crew shows. It's like, if you don't like it, don't fucking go. Don't buy your kids a ticket. Don't let your kid buy that album until he's 18. But otherwise, shut the fuck up. Like, that's really, that's really an, an egotistical way to live is like right this is what i believe you better fucking believe it too it's like dude no i think it's like a it's the remnants or it's like you know colonialism it's the same thing where it's like stripping culture away from people and when people get together artists to express ideas that reflect the culture they live in that is amplifying the voices of the people and that is not in line with the fucking <laughs> the marching orders, right? Yeah, right. And so where they, we are now, yeah, that's where we are, and uh, that's how it has always, always been, been yeah, and yeah. always will be. And you know, we are, you know, we're three white guys sitting in a room talking about exactly like, how we're not getting as it should job. be. <laughs> but, but no, but be, but meaning like, and we, and, and we've all had too. very very easy lives in yeah. comparison, yeah, to a lot of people, to a lot of other people, but exactly. There's still an effort to not. Ampli- to not allow your voice to be heard or allow your voice to be heard. And it's not, it. it's everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and it, if you could get a lot of people together, they don't like that. Yep. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah. Unless groups, they're groups commodifying bad. it. Group, yeah. Group's bad. Yeah. 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 yeah my, my whole thing is if anybody ever says, uh, Colin Kaepernick or taking knee. I just walk out of the room. Like I, I don't. We've got nothing to talk about. Yeah. Because like, you're gonna complain I can't about be that. Small minded like that. No. It's just like, if that's really if you're focused on that and and the only here's the thing, I, I just I can't I can't I can't. I really is mind numbing when like white people are mad at that. I know. It's really mind numbing. It's impossible. It's, it's 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 like it, an impossible to understand or I, like you said, walk out of the room. I, I, I can't entertain this. Which is <laughs> I'm not going down this fucking road with you. Yeah, You've already like, <laughs> if, if you don't see it already, if you don't understand what he's doing, how what am I gonna say to you? Yeah. That's gonna penetrate your fucking concrete, you know, pea brain and, right. and get in there. Like there's nothing. So you're right. I mean walking out of the room is well, because my whole thing is remove, you know, topic A out of it. Okay. What it doesn't <laughs> matter whether it's, Forgot it it's already. Lenny Bruce or or Colin Kaepernick or Two Live Crew. My my the, the problem with the people that are are against it, they stand for what they believe is perfection. Like you're talking about the colonialism. It, to me is also I'm perfect. Yeah. I've never made a mistake. Right. So. I'm accusing you of being imperfect, and that's why you need to be fixed. And it's just like, oh, okay, because you're you're this perfect thing out there, and that's what bothers me. Is like, there's no such thing as a perfect thing. If you're you know? a human right. form, you have flaws. Not saying, and, and I only bring that up because using Colin Kaepernick as an example. Not everything. People will always point to the the few mistakes he may have met versus the overarching sacrifice that he's making. Right. It's just like. Yeah, so focus on the things that you know that you can gravitate towards so you can wreck the whole purpose. I'm like, that's that's that part of where society is right now that keeps me in my basement and not talking to a lot of people. Yeah. But I think that, like, like it's like disrupting the power of the people in charge. And that's what is like the capital offense that is unforgivable. And a lot of the people that are defensive of that standpoint are people that have directly benefited from it. And usually it's not in a way where they're like, you know, COO. We're, I'm not talking about other one percenters. I'm talking about people that like think that they did a good job and got where they got because they worked hard and are really have their blinders up to how they have 
allowed for the people in power to maintain their power. And a lot of that has to do with suppressing other people's voices or any type of dissent. And in doing that, they are, you know, it's like being the dog. They're good dogs. And they think that if you're not a good dog, you're a bad dog. And you have to get away from my master because I'm going to protect them. And it's just this really, it's, it is a narrow, it's really narrow-minded. It's really small-minded. But they know that if they're not good dogs, they're going to get kicked under the table. And their life is going to be shitty. They have, And they think that you also need to be a good dog. And it's just like, this is terrible. Yeah, I can't fucking live with this narrow, narrow, preservational yeah. behavior. And I think that's part of why I wanted to get into comedy and why I like comedy. It's because there's so many different fucking types of people talking about talking about their shit. And yeah. if you're in the, the trenches, like we are not just receiving co- stand-up comedy through television, through gatekeepers, then you see a real diverse collection of um, of characters and stories. And it's fin- it's amazing. It's yeah. a it's that's a great the experience. beauty of that journey. It's funny that you bring that up. That is so true. It's like when I look back on the first decade of doing stand-up and mm-hmm. like all those, what I, what we would have deemed back in the day is like these shitty open mics, but you're in there with 44 other comics and 44 other points of view and like people coming from all over the place to try, th- try out their yeah. game, you know? And it's just like over time, you're right. Like it is, it's its own subculture, but it's a subculture that share that's, that in many ways is eye-opening, and it's sharing so much that you... It's not yeah. you. These people that are coming up there are doing something completely opposite of you, and that in itself is amazing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, sh- and sharing new ideas, whether it's funny or not. Yeah. Sharing new <laughs> ideas, right? But, but that goes for all of us. You got to figure it out. You know, you don't find your voice and you don't, you don't get on stage, so... Or yeah. you don't find it because no one's transcribing it for you. <laughs> <laughs> In the middle of the night waiting for Carl's Jr. Uh, oh, what do you got? Uh, let's change gears real quick before we wrap it up. What do you got for going on for the holidays? I'm going to be in town, which is sad. I love, I was in Los Angeles last year for Christmas. It was beautiful, sunny. Oh, it, we just had all I these. Love uh, December here. We had those <laughs> fires up in Malibu. And, uh, also, I had a... So what, what was going on up in Malibu was they had piled up all the sand on the beaches to uh, for like sandbagging for oh, yeah, future. Oh yeah, that's right. And so my family and I, we went on Christmas Eve, and we got to do like sledding down the sand on on boogie boards. It oh was my know god, that that's why they did that. I, my family was in town last mm-hmm. year, and we went to Malibu, and there was like sand mountains. And yeah. they asked me why, and I said, "Oh, I think they just do this for the winter. That's not why they did that." And I think it was for for the mudslides and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that was just that was beautiful. But this year we're we're gonna be in town. It's gonna fucking rain all week. Oh, is it? Yeah. When this airs, I'll be sitting in my my apartment, a little bit sad, <laughs> <laughs> not watching snow come down, but just rain. Yeah. And, uh, it'll be terrible. Oh yeah. That that snowboarding there, that sand thing. We used to drive to from Illinois to Indiana to the sand dunes, and we would take the wax off the bottoms of their snowboards, and we would snowboard down the dunes. Oh, so fun! But why take the wax off? Because it uh, it's made it faster. Oh, okay. Uh, the wax was for the snow, um, and it, otherwise we took it would it eat the, the sand. Would it would yeah right collect it? Um, yeah, but the walking back up was such a huge pain it's in so the fucking ass. I was like, but oh, as he said earlier, that's part you have to do the walking. Yeah. Back oh, we yeah. got tired. I was tired immediately. I was immediately. like, I don't want to do this anymore. One time down. But okay, yeah. I mean, look, I don't mind the rain. My my wife's coming back from uh, Costa Rica. She's That's been, your Christmas gift, John. It's been hot oh. as shit for her, so she's gonna like the cool weather, sitting inside watching TV. 
not doing a whole lot, which I'm all game for. Yeah. And then I got shows in. Uh, you can do some bingey. Spokane, Washington, 26th through the 29th. Washington. Oh, nice. See how it ties it all back yeah. around. Look at that. Spokane. Yeah, now that's Eastern Washington. That's yeah. That's I was gonna I, I was gonna hit my friend Idaho. up in yeah I was gonna hit my friend up in Bellingham and I looked at a map and I was like well, it was like a nine hour drive yeah, so dude. Far away. Jesus. So yeah, I mean, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I love like I said, man, I love this time of year in LA. I like December is a great month and like it October is. to. December, but especially December, because now it's finally fall. Like, yes. October is still like 90 degrees. I and know. you're like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm used to like wearing a jacket over my Superman costume and like <laughs> that kind of shit. Yeah. And not I'm anymore. like, uh, no, I got to pick a Halloween costume that's like shorts now because it's so hot. And uh, <clears throat> and then by October, you're by November, you know, Thanksgiving is great. It starts to get a little cooler. But now this yeah. is the perfect time. Now we're there. How about you, Brian? Um, probably going to be sitting in the same spot I'm sitting right now. Most of the watching the pack, are the Packers playing. I'm sure they are. I don't watch the game as much as the, I, whatever the, whatever the kids want to do first. And then ah, we'll all right. As, if you've learned anything from me, yeah, I'll probably go down to Long Beach with my brother-in-law. They got kids. I like That's to, great. Like to be around kids on Christmas is fun. I'm I, sure we'll do something. I, I am going to do. Uh, I'm doing a show on the 29th at the Satellite. I'm doing Neil Hamburger's show, and I've never oh, done his show. Awesome. And, uh, the Satellite. I think I've got a zero percent success rate at, oh, and I'll be coming off of mm, six days of not doing stand-up. So I am really looking forward to that challenge. <laughs> Guys, if you live in LA, get out to the Satellite wanna, on the 29th. If you want to see me either have a fucking great set, just just shooting from the hip, or eat a god awful horrible death. One of those two things is going to happen. Here's what. Here's the deal. Here's though. how you start, guys. You remember that billboard for other guys? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I want you to start, because according to John, you can relive that but, moment. Uh, but I guarantee you, whoever goes to see that show, whether you eat your cock on stage or whether you off, fucking destroy, okay. yeah, you will be the same person on stage. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, yeah. like even if you're eating it, you're still going to be the funny Paul Danke that <laughs> if you remove. The audience and put a different audience, and you'd be killing. I'd be killing. Yeah. That's what I always tell myself when it's going bad. Good, <laughs> good. good. You should go to I your did, happy place. I did a show last night at Genghis Cohen, and oh, the last wow. show I did there, I bombed. I bombed, baby. It was like my worst show of the year, probably. And uh, it was fun to go back there. I was like, I'm glad that I'm wrapping up the year here. If this one goes bad, then I'm never coming back to this place ever again. Dude, I say this all. The, I used to go. Josh Fadum used to run a show at the Hollywood Hotel at that basement. Oh yeah, of the yeah. I always used to call him when I was when I'd have like two or three weeks of like really good sets and feel really good about my comedy. I'd be like, "Hey, I'd call Josh and be like, "Hey, man, can I come and do a set?" Like, yeah, yeah. And I would eat shit every time oh. there. It was all foreign tourists. They never understood what I was talking about. Yes. I would just fucking eat it, and I always went back to just take myself down a peg. Yeah, because I'm like, I can't be this fucking Humble great me. all the time. Well, you know yeah. what the myth of that place is, right? That it used to be a hospital, and that's oh, what yes, uh, yes. Yeah. The I, morgue, I don't know if that was true or not. Yeah, that was the I've, room. I've spent a lot of time in there. I used to help run a show down there, and we would hang out late after, and then after everyone left, and we'd be getting drunk with tourists, and um, some of them. Some, one time they taught us how to smoke alcohol. That was that wasn't fun. But when well, you would when you would go down the hall to the bathroom, you take that left, you turn that corner. Yes, yeah, it's like bone chilling. You can feel the cold. It's sp- Spooky, yeah. and you go in, and you're like, "Look, nothing's anything. Whatever. I'm gonna." G-. You go to the bathroom, and the door closes, and it's just like, "I hate this. <laughs> I hate this. This doesn't feel good in any way. I'm not relaxed in here." No, it's weird energy. That was never Very a relaxing room per se, though. I think that always kind of there, there was something. 
I, I, there was a guy that used to bartend there, and during the shows, Bill Devlin used to run a show on it, and he would leave and go play trumpet in the other yes, room. Yes, yes. I, I remember that remember guy. Like, that guy. Really? We're going to play trumpet right now during the comedy oh, show? Oh, what a weird thing to be practicing. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the same era that I was doing shows there. <laughs> Bill Devlin? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. fun. I'm doing Bill Devlin show in Brea. Uh, at the improv on comedy July. and cocktails, nice. July twentieth. I, I bet she is going to have some Jameson. Probably he likes his Jameson. He we'll does. get Billy on the show. He um, is a character. Well, Paul, thank you so yeah, much for uh, coming. Thanks by, for having man. me. This was really um, fun. Yeah, and, and anyone who hasn't heard of Paul or hasn't seen Paul or hasn't listened to How Paul, go online. How many CDs you got out? I've got one. I'm going to record another one next year. Nice. Uh, but the one is uh, it's good. It's called Danky. It's called right? Dank. 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 Yeah, it's but a, you say your name, Danky. Danky. Yeah. Danky is my name. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Yeah, I'm <laughs> just making sure that I'm saying. No, no, no. Right, people, yeah. people are like, "Oh, your album's self-titled." I'm like, "What? It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say." Yeah. If you want to look it up, you'll find it. Brad, it Brian matter. always goes when the people are like, "How do what, what should I say about? How do I say your name?" He's like, "Whatever you say, I'm still coming up to the I'm stage. I'm still showing up. Doesn't matter. Doesn't I don't matter. call me fucking Clark. I'm still gonna grab that mic. And well, because I always when I first started stand up, I had this one moment where a guy forgot my name. Yeah, and I was like, I can't, I can't go, I can't go. And I was like, it was the stupidest thing if you think about. It. Like, it's like, yeah, of course you can still go. Did my jokes disappear because this yeah, guy yeah. forgot my yeah. name? Thing, no, until he gets my name, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do stand up. I can't. Yeah, Mr. Hollywood's out there. If he doesn't say my name, then they'll <laughs> look me up and then we'll be able to find. You're gonna me write it. down no name comment. This isn't gonna work. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you just gotta just, just fuck. go. The thing, what I love about uh, it's clock management, stand up comedy. I look at it as real clock like. This, you have this much time how much time are you going to do how much what are you giving weight to like how yeah. much time are you giving any, and i won't give a fucking second to clarifying my name for you that i'm not no. that is my time i yeah. you fuck me on the intro you're dead to me personally but, but, but i'm not going to deal with it i'm going to move time. on yeah i'm never going to talk about it yeah no cuz the crowd doesn't fucking care no yeah. they don't i always whenever i get a, when they whenever i'm given a lot of credits before they bring me up i walk by and go uh-huh and nobody see me in anything well, yeah. the worst is when a comedian does go up and they're like, well, actually, what it was was this, or my name is actually said this. And they're not even no. talking to the audience. They're actually scolding yeah. the MC. And you're right. It's like, why give so much weight to that? It's like, such a. Yeah. yeah. The only time that's funny to me is not funny, but the only time I like it is when someone's like, oh, yes, I was on that show, but we were canceled two days ago. You know what I yeah, mean? Or they give like a real, funny. a real biting behind the sure. scenes look at like, yeah, I was on that, but it's done now. Yes. Fuck this town. And yeah. You're like, oh, that's funny. Then you're you. making a joke. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Completely different. Thanks yeah. again for coming. Yeah, out. thank you, Paul. Uh, have a great holiday. Yes, happy uh, holidays to all. Happy holidays to all. Uh, don't, don't. When we, if anyone said Christmas, we're not trying to be exclusive. We just believe that everyone should enjoy their day off. That's yeah. all. Merry Christmas, happy holidays is the same. Enjoy whatever you like doing. Spend it with friends and family. Have fun. Overeat. Uh, you know, have a couple of drinks. Yeah. Smoke some CBDs. <laughs> and, uh, CBD sticks. Tugging we're, hard on the CBD stick. Dude, on we're Christmas looking for a sponsor. Day. Looking for a sponsor. Are you kidding? Guys, you thank you so one. much for listening. Uh, happy holidays. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. 